This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by Mook Delivery, bringing you the food you love. Mook Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with Mook Delivery. So the only thing left to say is, you win. Order now on the McDonald's app. You can also get reward points delivered too. So the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Previously on Homestale Radio. Palacis scored again today, so I just, yeah. if anybody knows, are the goals bigger in Africa or something? Because he seems to... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it's like that. It's like that conundrum. You've got the the fox, the chicken in the bag of seed, and a boat. They've got to get to the other side of the river, but the fo- the fox can't go in the boat with the with the chicken what? and the chicken. Yeah, yeah. Can't, like, like Gail can't Gail can't play up front if if Shamak's playing, but Shamak can't play in the hole if Punchin's there. You know, yeah, it, but it, you it take, is a conundrum. But you take the chicken over. First, no, the fox over first, and then leave the. Yeah, that's true, yeah. <laughs> yes. For all our contact information and to send us an email, visit H O L Radio.net forward slash contact. Good evening, welcome to Whole Radio. My name is Chris Hambling and I am your host tonight. With me today are Nick Gussett. Hello. Are you to open your old name because of the Ginnick Gessett coming up? Anyway, Jill oh, Holio. Hello. Hello, Patrick O'Connor. Hello. Hello, and Terence from redandbluearmy.co.uk. Hi, Hello, it's a very long surname, Terence. Um, <laughs> <laughs> tonight we'll look back at a brilliant win and performance against Southampton in the Cup. Uh, we'll be playing a game of Nick Guess It, and I'll be chatting with the brilliant Jim Piddock. But first up, we'll play a game of Steve Bruce's Play Your Cards Right. Steve Bruce's Play Your Cards Right. So I'm just going to explain the rules. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Chris will go first, and hopefully you'll have heard the rules, and I won't need to explain them again. And then, okay. for want of a better term, we'll do you after. Great. That's what she said. Uh. <laughs> is that the... Are you trying to slip... Oh, there's euphemism everywhere. So are you trying to slip that in at any given opportunity? That's what I said to Mark, his mum. Oh. No, that doesn't work. It doesn't work. Ignore it. Carry on. Right, so... How the game works, Ben and Chris, is... We start you off with a, 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 a current or past Crystal Palace player. Yeah. And because we're, because we're generous, we'll, we'll tell you what their shirt number was, even if you know it already. What will then happen is we'll give you 60 seconds, and what I'll do is I'll, give, I'll, I'll start reeling off other players' names, and you'll have to tell me if their squad number was higher or lower than the, subs- yeah. than the, su- the previous player. So okay. it's not it's not all higher or lower than the first the player. It's it's a chain. 
Yep. Okay. And first, if, if there's a wrong answer, it's game over, I'm afraid. And okay. it's how, how many you can get in 60 seconds. So, I start, and then um, Ben follows, and Ben has to beat me to make the leaderboard, yeah? If, but yeah, if Ben beats your total, he makes the leaderboard. Top of the leaderboard gets an as-of-yet undecided prize at the end of the season. Marvellous. Yeah, um, I've had a very long day, Ben, so you will hopefully be all right here. <laughs> okay, okay, I'm ready. Chris, are you ready? Yeah, I said I'm ready. 60 seconds on the clock, and your first player is Julian Speroni, number one. Here we go. Tommy Black. Higher. John Humphrey. Lower. Mikel Leggedwood. Higher. Calvin Andrew. Oh. Lower. There you go. He's wrong the wrong way. So, Chris, you've got one, two, you've got three correct. Yeah, right, that's poor. That's, we all know Cameron Andrew wasn't lower than 12. I forgot, I thought Leisure was in the 20s, to be honest, but yeah, there we go. No, never mind. Right, so you got, Ben, you got three to beat. Okay. Right, you ready? Ready. Okay, here we go. Neil Alexander, 25. Glenn Murray. Lower. Nicola Ventola. Oh, um... Higher. Gabor Kirali. Okay. Oh, God, God, God. Um... Okay. Higher. Mark Edworthy. Lower. Fitz Hall. Uh, higher. Dougie Freeman. Lower. John Salarco. Okay. <laughs> Lower. Oh, wow, wow. Wow, you're never going to see anything like it again. Will you see this? Oh, unlucky, unlucky Ben. However, however, <coughs> you have beat, you've stormed ahead of Chris. Well done, man. Yes! <laughs> With a six. Six, so, that's impressive. Oh. So, Ben, you go on to the, you're actually the first person to make the leaderboard, so you're currently top, bottom, and all the other places at once. So, uh, <laughs> hopefully, if no one else beats six between now and the rest of the season, you win the prize, mate. I owe you one, yeah. Thank you, cheers. Awesome. Right. Bye. Well, there you go, everyone. If you think you can be, uh, A, a presenter, and then with a total of more than six, then you should uh, call in next week for Steve Bruce's Play Your Cards Right. John Salarco. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Well, I'll tell you what, that recording, that was, that was a lot longer than it seemed when we did it, I have to say. But, um, yeah, if you do want to play that, you can go to horradio.net forward slash Bruce and register and um we'll, we'll you can yeah try and get yourself on the leaderboard at the moment it's just ben up there uh with six correct answers he got a chain of six it's just higher or lower on shirt numbers it's just a bit of fun you know as they say um hmm right so yeah we got to, let's, let's start with the match and i want to talk start us off actually talking about um the day out and now do you know what, what i should actually mention is the fact that today is our 200th show 200th show and it's also our fourth birthday. Happy birthday to us. Happy birthday to us. <laughs> um, 
we are we're going to do a, a separate sort of look back, you know, self indulgent look back that you can choose to download rather than force it through on a live show. I think, but um, in, in partial celebration to it, we have got an interview with Jim Piddock coming up later on, which say so hopefully you'll enjoy as much as I did uh, recording it because it was superb. Um, not just my questions, Jim's answers were, were amazing as well. <laughs> Superbly self-indulgent, you mean? <laughs> it, was, it was incredibly self-indulgent. If you've got my interest, you'll enjoy it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. So, anyway, I don't know why there's, there's sort of... Yeah, and there's, there's kind of a hiss in the background indicating we're going to play a clip, but I don't know what it is. <laughs> don't know. I don't know what it is. Yeah. Anyone? Oh, anyway, so look, let's get straight into the into the match review then. Um, <coughs> sorry, excuse me. Oh no, we've got go on, we have got a clip for the uh, interview later on. Go on, go on. You know, Simon Jordan had a had a habit of landing on his head, um, <laughs> and usually with his foot stuck in his mouth. Uh, um, and these guys are the exact opposite. They, they they whatever you however you agree with what they do and how they do it. You know, clearly transfers are long drawn out affairs. That's how Steve conducts them, and he gets every bang for his buck because of that. Now that can drive some people crazy. At a certain point, you want to go just pull the fucking trigger because that's a player we got to get. But he's very, very canny. He's really smart, and he's also a friend maker, unlike Simon Jordan, who just liked to make enemies. And that all is very positive, and and. Uh, and he seems to, you know, time and time again, uh, Steve Parrish falls on his feet. And that isn't just blind luck. <laughs> He's got a brilliant tweet in from Simon Goddard, at CovEagle71, another seamless link on old radio. Thanks for that. Really, really <laughs> appreciate it. Oh, dear, look, I'll be honest with you, I went and had a nap before the show, and I timed it wrong, um, and I'm not really awake. But, you know, it won't be any different to usual. And I've got these guys to help me out. So let's have a little chat uh, about the day, first of all. I went there with, uh, went to the game um, with Joe and with producer Tom, who's not around today. But um, it's a great day out, wasn't it, Joe? Proper, proper cup tie. It was. And I thank you yesterday, but I thank you again that you came probably 30 miles out of your way to come and pick me and, me and Tom up and then, uh, and then drove back almost past your house to, to, uh, to go to the game. But, yeah, very good. Yeah. Very good. Yeah. I was happy to do it, mate. Say, it, was, it was such an enjoyable day out. and uh, It was you know, nice to be packed in a, in a way. End. And Southampton got the ticket in so right on the day, didn't they? Because they the home end was packed out as well. It just made such a huge difference, I think. But um, I wanted to sort of offset that because we, we're so spoiled in the Premier League, aren't we? With, um, you know, with the fact that, that if, if you don't go to the game, you can, you can illegally stream it online and all that sort of stuff. And most games are televised somewhere. And you, but um, Nick, you had a bit of a retro experience, didn't you? I did have a retro experience. Not only was I sat in a village hall in the middle of Kent, I was watching a pantomime of Sleeping Beauty. And I, there was no phone signal. Was that the your mum? Yeah, that was my mum was in the pantomime and um, playing the Red Fairy, if you're interested. Show bad. Um, anyway, I digress. I just didn't have a clue what was going on in the football. I got a text at half time from my brother saying 3 2, but he didn't say who to. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, it was horrible, and it just took me back to to the olden days. I mean, I've never ever been in a position where I can't get hold of the football score because you know when I worked at when I worked at school or sort of school job, Saturday job was at Curry's, so I was you know I saw the 
saw the football results and the scores coming in on the old teleprinter five thousand times because I'd have all of all of information, and that was about as technologically as futuristic as you could get with football results. But now it's you know it's ridiculous, isn't it? I just didn't know, and I hated it. I really fucking hated it. I guess. Oh, no, it wasn't. I really, really enjoyed watching my mum in a pantomime. It's just being cut off. It was. Yeah. It's the unknown. But and it was honestly, I, I can't stress this enough because I know a lot of people have been agonising over this, looking at the message boards that they they felt that you know obviously the highlights were pretty poor on the BBC for what you know for whatever reason, um, and people sort of reading other the views of people who were there saying that it's so different to how they perceived the match even when they if they listened on the radio because we're all saying talking about how well Palace played and we'll get into that because we played phenomenally well at times we really did um, but there's just there's, it, there is just no way go on Terence no I, I spoke to oh, my sorry. brother earlier and uh, he, he said we played really really well but I, I, I'll let you I'll let you fill me in. I've deliberately haven't read any reports. I just wanted to hear it from people who've yeah. been there that are completely and utterly biased and uh, <laughs> paint us in the best light. <laughs> yeah. Go on, Patrick. Yeah, um, a lot like Nick, I was kind of left in the dark a little bit. Um, you're, you're right, Chris. We're very spoiled with the coverage over here because of the um, NBC package. We get all the Premier League games, but we don't necessarily get the FA Cup games. We got yeah. the Dover game because it was against a, you know, a non-league team. It was they looked for that upset type thing on Fox. But over here, they won't put a, uh, a game like Palace versus Southampton on. So I ended up having to go to the old, my old uh, trusted Palace player. But if you, another about Palace play, it doesn't always work. So I didn't get the match until Shamak tied the match at 1-1. I spent 10 minutes agonizing how to get the stupid thing to work. And I was going <laughs> crazy. I was on the BBS. I was on Twitter trying to get the score. So it was, um, it was a very different experience. Which is why, I'm, again, I'm, very, I'm so happy Palace in the Premier League. I hope they stay there forever because if they don't, I'll be cut off like the Stone Ages. Yeah, you'll have to just find the money to come over every week. Exactly. <laughs> so anyway, let's let's get into the analysis. And there's no, there's nowhere else to start but to talk about Maran Shamak. And that was the reason we we got you on initially, Terence. But you're joining us for the whole show now. I'm happy to say. But come on, this is you your chance to get straight into smug mode. And, and <laughs> talk about Shamak. Well, what can I say? He was just he was sublime, and it's not it's not even what he did on the pitch with the two goals and. His all-around play was just superb. It was when he went off of the field, Southampton poured on top of us and we completely lost control of the game for the last 20 minutes when he wasn't there. And I think for me that just summed up just how absolutely incredible he was. It, it was, it, in my view, and I, I am a big fan, as you know, I talked before about, similar to you, I, I think he is the best player we've had technically since Lombardo. And, and same as you, I always think that people are laughing at me when I say that, but... It it just it just is absolutely phenomenal. Um, what he can do, you know, what, he, what sort of touch he's got, but it, it just works so hard. He really, really does. And I, I, I think in part you said after the game, he said um, that he'd been told he didn't know. Essentially, he said he didn't know too much about you know Schmack's performances. He hadn't seen him enough, and he was told by the staff that you will get a huge lift when Schmack plays, and he, and he did see that. It was. It was just a, it was great to watch, um, and it, and again he he played with a kind of freedom that I haven't seen him play with for, for some time, and let's let's not forget a huge goal threat as well. Um, yeah, well I think that was def- definitely because um, I was asked if he was playing further forward by a couple of people who weren't at the game, and I don't think he was. I just think he'd had that sort of defensive restriction taken away from him, and then he was allowed to get forward a lot more from that sort of attacking midfield role that he was playing. 
than he was under the light when Pulis was manager. He was a lot more rigid in what he did. But he didn't lose a defensive side either. I was... Um, at one point in the second half, a Southampton player cocked his leg to shoot from about 18 yards and Shamak just sort of peered behind him and took the ball off of his feet. Yep. He was still getting from box to box. But it, getting forward, um, he just he took a few more risks and it certainly paid off. Oh, definitely. There was one, there was one moment where uh, he was crying out for a shot and he didn't shoot, which we kind of used to see him. But he was, he was certainly more eager to shoot. And he had a, he had a good effort before he scored as well, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, pretty sure that for us safe. Joe, again, I'm, and I don't think it's it's you know we're not being cruel here by saying this, but uh, I, I think we all we all kind of said that you've got to earn your place back in the team if you know we've been playing well and we all kind of expected Shamak to have to sort of bide his time a little bit. But uh, I think I think we can safely say that at the game you were in the process of telling us why Shamak shouldn't be playing when he scored, weren't you? <laughs> <laughs> what I did was basically. <laughs> I said to, to what well, he did. He, he 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 gave the ball away needlessly. Let me say first of all, I, I would definitely have echoed what you said after such a long time out that I thought he should have been sub. But you know he's he's obviously um, come back spectacularly. Um, but what I said, and like I say, I, I always would put my hands up to to what I've said if I make mistakes and stuff. And basically, what I said. And again, I know we've already had two Fs on the show already, but I said, after he gave a really easy part, 10-yard pass away, which put us in trouble. And I said, what the fuck is he doing on the pitch? I said, he, he, he doesn't even look fit. And literally, <laughs> like, within, within seconds, he scores. And I was like, just... <laughs> but, but 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 let me say, let me add because I know like Terence, like you you know you, listen, you guys like him more than I do. Um, but but yeah, I show him a lot of love after yesterday. But he just, I think that was probably his best forty-five minutes for us so far. But by a country mile, he just was everywhere, and he looked to have he looked to have like a free roll, um, which which was you know which, which surprised me because like you said, he popped up everywhere. And he looks like he was just, which is like a nineteen-year-old kid out to please. Yeah, um, <laughs> interesting analogy. He was. Um, <laughs> it's just the link. It's the link between the, the midfield and the attack, and we're so it's so vital that we have that because, you know, you see when we're at our worst and we're under pressure, it's it, we could, we never seem to have an out ball, and um, if if everyone's not on form, you know, we were using Balassi as our out ball earlier in the season, and he he was literally the only one. But it it's just, I don't, I just there's there's no one else that can play that role, and you know, I can remember Terence saying it last week that he is the best person to play that number ten role, and we're all sort of, I mean, and Aaron talking about Murray can play it, talking about you know having the McJedley midfield, if you like, and all those sorts of things. But I also think I mentioned this last week, that when someone's out for a spell, you can sometimes forget just what it is they bring to the side. And I think I was talking about Jedinak at the time, but I think it was it rings so, so, so true for, uh, for Maran Shemak. Uh, Nick? Yeah, Belassi. Um, he's away. I don't know how he's, he drew nil-nil the last game, didn't he? Is he going to get back into the team when he comes back? Does he automatically get a place? Not, not at the moment, no. But then I've said that before, haven't I? I think probably. Well, then, <laughs> so then, what about Jedi? Then, if you're saying about him, this is fortunately this is Alan Partridge's problem, not mine. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, I don't know. Go on, Patrick. It's about time you said something. What, what do you reckon? 
Yeah, um, it, it's it's a, it's a, it's the best conundrum we've ever had as a Palace fan because you've got uh, probably our two best players uh, away. We've got our third best player, I would say, in Chinook, who just got back in the lineup, and then yesterday, Gail and Murray um, don't even play. So the fact that you just said, Chris, that is part of this problem is the best problem we could possibly have. Um, I think right now, um, you probably go back to Sonogo. And Gale, the um, I'm going to think back the Bernie lineup most likely for yeah. uh, for Everton. I'm going to think because I'm going to think he's going to bring Shamak off the bench, and obviously Blasium Jedi aren't back yet. I think that's probably a little bit tighter defensively uh, as a lineup. But again, it's it's a, it's a it's a wonderful problem to have. It really is. I mean, when you think the attacking options, again, I didn't see the game, but I saw the highlights, and they were fantastic. <laughs> the way we attacked yesterday is unlike anything I've ever seen. I mean, we haven't gone to it yet, but the third goal, Joe Ward skilling that pass. Of bringing the ball down was ridiculous, and you can see the confidence back in him as for an example through a person like Pardew. So you just see Wilf, um, Punchin, Shamak, Gale, um, Ward. They've all got so much more confidence since he's come in, and it's just great to see. But again, it's, it's not a problem we have to worry about. It's really a problem Pardew's going to have. It's a wonderful yeah. problem to have. Yeah, you're right, and it is, it is a lot to do with confidence. It's funny you mentioned the move for the third goal because it was a great goal. But there was a move in the second half as well, uh, your yeah. this Joe, that it was it eclipsed the, the ability that was shown in that move. And it was as you said, Joe, it was exactly like um when Chelsea like Chelsea, scored and, the Chelsea and Arsenal, when they did those one twos and walked through last last season against us. That Patrick, we did that. And match of the day didn't even show that. It was so, so poor. There was so much they didn't show last night. It was really a, it was a pathetic effort by the BBC. Um it, it really was. They put NSC pulled off a worldie. They didn't show that when it was free to when it was free two. Um, but that that one, you know, when we looked at that that one two and we went through, and the only thing was lacking was a shot from Murray. I think it was, um, but it, it was a, it was just superb. I um, I saw the um, the worldie was on the uh, is on the BBC website though because um, there was actually more high- right. more highlights. I, I saw the highlights when I got in at about seven o'clock, and I waited up. And I had to be out early this morning. And I waited up for match of the day, and it showed less than what I'd seen when I got in. And I was really oh. um, pissed off. It's, it's, you know. But at least if, if everybody's filmed the game, they've got the rights, they should put more than two minutes, even if we get it Monday. Somebody at Southampton yeah. be able to. I don't, I don't know what the official site will have. I'd assume it, it usually has quite a bit more in terms of highlights. So I'm fingers crossed that happens if it, whenever it appears on the official site, but I don't know when that is. Um, it was, so, it was, uh, I was just going on to ask Terence, because you, obviously you were there as, as well, mate. Um, I saw you after, didn't I? Yeah, I remember now. The euphoria, I almost forgot, but yeah. <laughs> you, were, you were already saying, I told you so about Schmack. It was good. Um, <laughs> but um, I, I sort, of, sort of, when I was making um, myself a couple of notes earlier about things I wanted to cover, I just wrote the words, Wilf is back. Um, and you mentioned Schmack chasing back. Um, Wilf did almost the exact same thing the other side of the box. Uh, I think I looked at you, Joe, when he did it. We just sort of looked at each other and went, that's Wilf at left he back. Made the, he made a tackle at left back, yeah. 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 Um, what did you make of his performance yesterday, Terence? Um, he's gradually, it's been in the last four or five games, he's gradually just been getting a little bit better, a little more confident. We talked about the belief last week that he's starting to get. And now he's just playing a run of games. He's just starting to look like the player he was. He, the way him, Shamak and Sonogo were combining yesterday... It was like they'd played with each other for years. Some of the quality of touches between them and the movement and the fluidity, it was just, it's just something I've never seen in a, like from Palace players before on a pitch. It was just, in the second half, I don't know if the same move he was talking about, they played 
backheel flicks between them like three times in a row. Yeah. And it all came off. And I was just standing there like, oh, this is this is just some <laughs> special football that we're watching right now. Um, it, it was special, and even for that, for the first goal, he does a little sort of back heel spin that you always can't, don't quite catch. Yeah. Like I saw, I, I saw again watching the highlights back when I when I got in, uh, I was just sort of like watched it three or four times because the commentator had said like nice back heel. I was like, was it? Like yeah, it was just it was such a fluid movement. It, you know, he was superb. Um, Joe, you wanted to say something about uh, your mate Danny heard something the Southampton's fans were saying. Yeah, well, you know that you met uh, Danny Topman yeah, yesterday, yeah. and he was a uh, because Danny lives in Southampton. He was actually a guest, a guest of his boss, uh, sitting in their company seats. But so obviously he was surrounded by Southampton fans in the posh area, and they were saying they couldn't believe how well we were playing, and why Man United don't like you know what they don't see in Wilf because. I mean, do you remember when we when we were talking and he had three they they threed up on him and he mm. tackled himself and he still came away with the ball. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Do you remember exactly. that? Yeah. It, it just it was but anyway, they they were absolutely shocked, the Southampton fans, at how we how we played. Really there's, shocked. Well there's a huge difference. Sorry, Terrence, you mentioned Zaha's touch for the second goal as well. Oh, it's yeah, the one he just pulled down out the air and with just one touch managed to control it and beat two players with it before playing the pass. It, it, yeah. just, it was yeah. exceptional. That is good. Also, um, didn't Ronald Koeman say he was a bit shocked with how we were playing yesterday as well? Yeah, I was a bit, like, a bit frustrated like a lot of people with his comments because he said, oh, no disrespect to Palace, they played really well, but effectively we shouldn't be creating those sort of chances. So it's almost like he hadn't scouted us since they played us. And it's it's not you know? just that as well. It's it's almost like don't start to believe the hype, Ronald. Like you've had yeah. one season where it looks like you might break into the top five. Don't you know? It's not like they're blowing away the Premier League every season. You yeah. know, a couple of years ago you were in the Championship and League One. So yeah. <laughs> don't get too careful. Yeah. I disliked him when he bought down by David Platt all those years ago when he was cleaning on goal, and I dislike him even more after he said that. <laughs> I mean, I've never I've never Palace patronised by a manager ever like that. And that was just that was just shocking. And if he doesn't mean the way that he came across, he needs to come out and say something because you know I, I thought it was really out of order. Yeah, but he's you know he's a he's, he's that he comes across as that kind of a character. Very, oh, you'd, we'd call it arrogant. He'd call it self confident. But you look at the you know no, the, the, the class that someone like Mourinho has shown towards Palace in recent times. You know, very respectful. He's he's brought some expensive teams and had a good game against us and and been man enough to say you know what they're a decent side. I like them. You know and. We got no such respect from Koeman. It was very disappointing. But, but I say, it, for me, it, it, it almost smacked of the fact that it played us at Sellers, won the way they did, and just thought, well, you know, we'll do them again next time we play them. There's no need to even try, really. Uh, I'm not saying that was the case. I just think that's the difference between, it, like you were saying earlier, terms, it's such a big difference in confidence between the team that, that played them last time and the team we've got now. And it's, it's, it's weird. We're talking about essentially the same players. But they just believe in themselves. They believe that they're better players now. Um, it's just a joy to watch. It really is. Um, I did want to bring up what, what Patrick was saying uh, in our little chat here. That um, Wilf's reaction when we conceded the second goal, he was having a right old go at Dan, wasn't he? he was, <laughs> yeah, probably. It's that, that aggression has come back into his game. That I wouldn't call it petulance because it's not really. It's more he's demanding. And, and I think that's, that's the sign of the hunger that's now back in his game. Do you agree that, Patrick? I, I totally agree. Um, it's, it's really good to see how he's been uh, changed under Pardew, the conversation you guys are talking about. But again, 
for him to react like that, it's like, you know, what are we doing? You know, he's, he's expecting to win, expected to play better. And he's just like saying, you know, I, I tracked back, I came back, I tried to block the cross, it got in, why are they scoring? So it's great to see him having that kind of enthusiasm. So, um, and like I said last week, that's why I said we have to buy him now. We really have to take a chance on it and, 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 and put an offer in. Because I think it's the, the better he plays, the more people are going to start saying he should go back to Man United, get his spot back, etc. We're going to lose that opportunity. And I think if the feelings are right with him and the team, we can get him now. I really hope you sign him. I really do. I'm sorry, I just got distracted by a forward review that I saw. That's right. Someone saying, I'm getting Shamak's hair, which is... Let's hope we don't get Dennis Wise's hair. Yeah, oh God, I just saw that. Oh, yeah, yeah. It looks so like a Lego man. It does. So I've got to give Jack Bisland credit for that tweet. That just made me laugh more than it should have done, but well done, mate. <laughs> so, sorry, can Chris, I jump on, on yeah. what Patrick was saying? Also, we've got to remember, in the season we got promoted... It was Zaha then Balassi. Zaha's yes. gone away, and Balassi has become a better player without a doubt. But Zaha, on the top of his game, is a better player than Yannick Balassi. Yeah, to to get him permanently would be a big coup for us. Whether it can happen is obviously whatever. But I agree. I, I'd I'd take him back every day of the week. Yeah, I, I honestly think that he might find that we're his team. You know, that it doesn't matter if he goes elsewhere. He's never going to quite be the player that he is, that he is at Palace. And I, I don't want to sort of disrespect the amount of talent he's got by saying that, but it just does seem to happen in football. Chris, it's too set goal. It's a good point. I mean, remember when Steven Pinar left Everton and went to Tottenham and he wasn't the same player, he went back and he's yeah. been, you know, been a better player. That happens sometimes. Sometimes you leave and you're just not as good or something doesn't work and you have to go back to where you were before. So I agree with you. I think he's, he'll find that this is the best place for him as far as, you know... But Wilf can do what Pienaar did. When he went back to Everton, they, they became a better side. They, they right. grew into almost a top six side. Exactly. And, and, and I think Wilf, this season, has grown with our team. And the stronger that we've got, the stronger he's got. You know? mm. and, I, and I do think that if we can keep him, I think it would just be massive for us. Absolutely massive. Um, well, he's... So, no, just to, to, to have, and we've got to keep Balassi, no matter what. You know, mm. I, I mean, I don't know what we'll, the figures that Wolf's on at Man United, you know, if, if we can speculate that he's on 35 when he did that deal, um, you know, we're, we're able to offer him that. And, and he does, yeah. and he benefits our side. You know, he, he does benefit our side. And, you know, Yannick, Yannick benefits our side. It just, you know, there's just. Oh, if, we, if we had the two of them, they're going to grow with us. Yeah, yeah exactly. If, if we had the two of them. We, well, firing and just, well, we've got the yeah. two of them for the season. Yeah, we've got the two exactly. of them, so you know. Um, Zaha was um, passing a lot more, wasn't he? What I, what I saw and what, what I've been told by my, my brother is that yeah. there's been less trips in previous games, and and how it's increased him as a player. And I think he's beginning to realise it ain't all about the tricks. And and it's, a couple of months ago, we were talking about Balassi actually being ahead of Zaha, yeah. but really all now Zaha's ahead of Balassi because it's Balassi. Mm-hmm. However wonderful the tricks are for getting through it, still getting that ball in. Yeah, How come he scores for for his country? And um, that's what Albert Albert said the other week. Are the goals bigger in Africa? But um, uh, uh, John Nightingale got in touch and said he saw a brief shot of Will smiling in the highlights, and that he hadn't seen him smiling since he came back. And I think that's, I mean that that, and if you look at how he celebrated the goals as well, and someone was suggesting he was sort of running along, kissing the shirt at one point, and you know he, he seems to be very much back on board and that's what I mean by Wilf being back I mean he's back to to being angry when things go wrong he's back to being yeah. demanding of himself but he's, he's as you're saying Nick and I think he said it himself in an interview that he, he is 
got it in his mind to be less tricky and more direct now because he's got mm. he's got massive pace and he's got the ability to put the ball in. Um, and talking of, of you know pace and the ability to put the ball in, Terence, you want to have a, a comment on on Balassi? Oh yeah, I don't. Uh, this isn't. Uh, I don't think we should turn this into make it sound like it's a, a dog on Balassi because no. he's still he's still a big player for us. But I, I, when I was saying that you know Zaha is better because Zaha has an exceptional talent that he can tap into and it didn't pass, especially in the back end of that promotion season. But Balassi, without a doubt, is still a big player for us. A lot of teams in the Premier League, up until you're getting into the top of levels, would love to have him in that team. Yeah, they would. Mm. And it, he he is a terrific player. He, and as we've said before, when you, when you start talking about his assists, he, he might not get direct assists, but indirect assists. You know, a lot of a lot of the work he does does result in us creating chances. And like I was saying, if we've got both of them on the wings flying, we are, you know, we are we are an incredibly dangerous side. We really are. Um, but then we see we go back to what we're talking about, trying to fit everyone in. Um, Joe, you've um, we, we we came up against a couple of our other players in Fonte and Klein. Um, you wanted to talk about Klein? Yeah, I mean, week in week out, you hear him score, hear about him scoring screamers, and you know, really rampaging down the right hand side, which is what he did to us at Celest. He, mm. he tore us apart down that right hand side. He didn't do that yesterday. He literally didn't do that yesterday. In fact, he, he spent most of his time defending, which I thought was, you know. I was I was really pleased with that because my main you know after after seeing him you know really really play that well just a few weeks back I, I thought we I thought we put him firmly in his place and he just looked instead of looking exceptional like he has done all season he looked very ordinary which says a lot for our you know it says a lot for our players yeah I, th- I think like Ward between Ward Kelly Campbell and Zaha <clears throat> they penned them back so well. They just didn't give him the chance, Bertrand and Klein, the chance to play their natural game. And um, I think there's a lot goes to Campbell for that because he had a very quiet game, but he still managed to occupy advanced positions. Whilst but it's his work rate, isn't it? It's his yeah. work rate and he's shutting down. That's, that's what he does yeah, best. That's exactly right. And he, he, he kept them penned in, which is very important to stopping Southampton from playing. Yeah, I think he did. He did play an important role yesterday. You know, obviously didn't really get any chances. He drifted inside a couple of times, I think, and, and created a bit of havoc. But yeah, he was very disciplined out there. And um, yeah, I say Gale obviously has been playing in that role, and I would still go with him because of the the goal threat he's been creating in, in, in recent weeks. But you know, he's starting to look a, a really, really, really good side now, and it's incredibly encouraging. And let's have a little chat about uh, the goals. Obviously, the Southampton first goal was a, was a disappointing one. Um, it was just a corner swung in and it just sort of landed at the feet of, of Pella and he just sort of poked it in, really. Um, and you kind of feared the worst at that point. I know I did. I turned to Tom and said, I told you so. I had a bad feeling about this game. <laughs> Crying my eyes out. But um, <laughs> it, I don't know. It's, it's a disappointing one, wasn't it, Joe, to concede like that? Yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah, no. I mean, you know, obviously we didn't have when the camera when the, when you see the camera shot it's a lot better than what we could actually see yeah. but you know it, it was it was almost you know it, it was quite a poor challenge but you know he outmuscled you know he's a good player and he outmuscled uh, I can't remember who, who, did he, who did he outmuscle I'm not even sure who, 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 whoever it was I mean you know he, he, he got free from him and uh, he did what he did you know he's done it countless times this season so but I just uh it was, you know, both of their goals. One was one was a, a decent goal, and the other one was a complete mistake because, mm. like you say, where Wilf was, he could see that Hennessy was just going to pick the ball up, um, but 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 Dan diverted it in. So 
Yeah, that's. I mean, we might as well talk about both in the same go. Uh, does you know? I mean, does 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 Dan get a shout there? Because you've got to think that the Hennessy's got. He's going to collect that, isn't he? It's just going to roll into his arms. There's no one there. Well, he should have had a he should have had a yeah. shout, and he would have heard it because the only t- I only heard about four or five hundred of those Southampton fans the whole game, <laughs> yeah. and that was to our left because I didn't hear anything else. You know, so he, he, there's no reason why he shouldn't have heard a shout. So maybe Wayne didn't shout or didn't shout loud enough. Mm. So what what do we think about um, Hennessy then? Obviously, he had made that top top save towards the end, where obviously in the away end, well away end, we're right behind that, aren't we? That shot, we can see where that where that's heading. And he just pulls out an absolute worldie, doesn't he, Joe? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the worst thing is you could see, I don't know his name. I did ask you who he was and sort of, I don't even think his name was on the program. Was he that? that, that no, that it's, yeah, El, El Hero, Eli- yeah. Elia. I mean, he's, he, he looks a, to be a very good player, very tricky. Um, but you could see he was standing in 10, 15 yards of space. Yeah, we worried about the We was all going, mark him, mark him. Yeah. Of course, <laughs> he was tapping the ball and... And that was flying in the top corner, and he just pulled out a weldy. I mean, he should do it seven foot sixteen or whatever he is. He's not massive at all, but you know. Um, but yeah, I mean, it wasn't just a TV save. That was going genuinely in the top corner. So when he was called on, he did what he did. He had no chance for the, you know, he had no chance for the first goal. He had absolutely zero chance for the second goal. And when they could have scored a third goal, he was there. So you can't blame him at all. I thought he had a, a you know, a decent game. Um, yeah, you've done yeah. all right, Wayne. Good distribution as well. And it's his birthday today as well, so happy birthday. All right, excellent. Yeah, happy birthday, Wayne. Uh, go on, Terence. Um, I'm sorry, Joe, I'm going to disagree with you again. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, God. I don't, I don't come here just to do why, this. Why have why we, we got him on now? <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I think for both goals, Hennessy has an air of responsibility. A corner's come into the middle of his six-yard box and he's shown no desire to come and get it. And again, as you're saying, at seven foot sixteen, he should be dominating that area of his goal. <laughs> and for the second goal, now, if, if he got a shout, if he shouted and Dan's in the right. fine. Fault, but right. if he if he hasn't shouted, then that's a, a huge error on his behalf again. So, for me, for the stature he has, he should be dominating, especially six-yard box, and uh, uh, potentially out up into the sort of penalty spot area from, like, longer crosses and so on. So, for me, I've, I think he can do better for those goals. Not taking any weight for anything away from the save later on, and his distribution is far superior to Julian Speroni's distribution. But right. I just... The, the corner kick was, was curled in. It, it wasn't, it, it wasn't um, you know, it, it was curled in from around about the penalty spot. So if he'd have come for that and, and got, you know, got trounced and, and land on the floor when someone else is shot, he's, he's, you know, he's, he's caught between a rock and an R place. I mean, he does come for crosses. You know, that, you know, he did it two or three times in the second half. He comes to anything that's, that he can feasibly go for. But, they, you know, they've, they're very good at their set plays. Their delivery was his first class. But Joe, uh, go on. I'm gonna I'm gonna say I'm concerned overall with our set play uh, defensive work in the last since even since Paulie came in. Because you think about last week against Burnley, uh, if you had Hennessy in a goal, you, are we saying that he, the same goal would have been scored in that corner kick that they had? You know, the Ben Mee header. So I'm I'm really concerned about that. Just overall, I'm not blaming the keepers, whether it's you know Hennessy or Sproni necessarily, but I'm <laughs> I'm really concerned that um, just all season you can you know, people want to go back to Warnock, obviously, but all season we haven't done a really good job on set play. Um, yeah, I mean, the other, I'm worried well, about that. Right, well, then, then what we got to do then is when we can right. see goals and they're not absolutely catastrophic, right. then we sure, surely we need to give some kudos to the other side for sussing us out. The same as if Every we score a decent... 
Well, yeah, but they've done their own work, haven't they? Obviously, okay. you know, they, 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 our left back stands almost next to our goalkeeper and doesn't go and doesn't go out. To, to, you know, doesn't won't go out. He's, if you put the ball past him, you've got a free header. That's exactly what happened. They, if they sussed it out, then it's then it's it's kudos for them. But, I mean, that was obviously a play. Yeah, you know, I think and, I, I think the other thing the... as well, Spironi's six foot, not massive. Right. Stick the ball up mm. in the air and smash him. I think the look, I think well, the truth is all, I think the truth is somewhere in between the two really. Again, there are there are times where you know a team has worked out a weakness and does exploit it, but at the same time, I think there's little doubt that we've got to not necessarily well, all the while we're scoring more goals than the opposition. We don't have to do anything. But I think at some point we we're, we're not going to be able to come back. You know, exactly. other than other than Dover, we've 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 come back from behind in all these games and it's brilliant to see and you know, we're talking about what this amazing spirit we've got and how much more dangerous we are attacking-wise. At some point, we are going to fall behind and not be able to come back. So, what you want to we, just, we want to stop falling behind in all these games. I think that's what basically what I'm saying. You know, it'd be nice to nice to go out and get a clean sheet, and you know that can start at Everton. That'd be great. But I, I get, with not with it, no, but not with sacrificing anything that we're getting going forward as well. While all the, like I say, all the while we're winning these games and. It, it's so entertaining to watch. It's so you know, it's it's brilliant. It's at the moment, it really is brilliant to go and watch Palace. You know, it's it's an absolute pleasure again, and I, I can't, you know, obviously can't thank the team enough for that. It's brilliant. But um, but we've, you know. we've discussed, Chris, haven't we? We've turned around and said that rather than park the bus, you know, and trying it and and trying it on the break for a one nil win, that we, you know, and, and I've said this for months that you know, with the players that we've got, our best form of defence is attack. And, and we'll just win 3-2. We won 3-2 yesterday. We won 3-2 last week. You know, we just keep doing that. And there isn't, there isn't a player, or isn't a person that's going to complain if we won every single game 3-2. Yeah. Yeah, no one. You know, go, oh, yeah, we conceded two goals. So what? We, we scored three. I it's, will say, just... Joe, you're on. right about that. You've been saying 3-5-2 and win 4-3 for about three, four years. So congratulations on that, Joe. Oh, listen. Did you see? We went 3 we went we at the back yesterday. Chris was like that. Oh, my God. We've gone through it back. I can't believe it. <laughs> we changed back pretty quickly. That's what I'm saying. But just for just for a moment, Mary Maybe Abba dropped it. into a back three. And I was like, oh, no, come on. Don't, don't <laughs> Maybe, do it. Joe will see that. <laughs> Maybe you did it to appease me. <laughs> um. Yeah, um, I, I, heard, I heard a noise that we were about to get a hashtag gel nose for a second there, but I think it's now stopped. I'm pretty happy. No, that no, no, happen. no, no. It's no, gonna happen. I, I don't deserve it after after what happened yesterday. Oh, he's Mike. He's saying the file's been deleted. Oh, how did that happen? I'm oh no, we've oh. been we've been hacked. Oh. The whole radio has been hacked. Terrible, terrible news. <laughs> he, he, he didn't go to look for it in the cloud because he's scared of them. <laughs> oh. right. Nick, Nick, what have I told you about making puns at people on air, on air that people won't uh, understand? They won't get, yeah. It's it's, now I have to ex- explain that the producer has a phobia of clouds now, thanks. Anyway, um. Well done. All right, excellent stuff. Uh, very quickly, let's talk about Yayo Sonogo. Um, two performances in the Palace shirt, written off by many. Um, uh, after 70 minutes, still laughing about the fact that Mikey's scared of clouds, sorry. Um, <laughs> but, um, uh, I just distracted myself. But, you know, honestly, really good performance yesterday. I did think he tired after about 70 minutes and started to become a little bit... Uh, he wasn't chasing much down, and then I was sort of screaming for, for Murray to come on at that point. Um, but a really good performance, wasn't it, Terence? Yeah, um, very, very solid. Like I said earlier, I thought the way him, Shamak and Zaha were linking up was excellent. 
there was definitely you could see between Shamak and Sonogo, Arsenal haven't changed their style of play much, and you can see that they've both had that sort of you know grounding put into them. So I thought they linked up very very well. Um, again, you know, it's still still too early for me to fully judge on him, but I've liked what I've seen so far. Yeah, I thought. I, I, yeah, I was very very close, Patrick. Yeah, I like what I've seen. I mean, again, obviously, it's way too early to, to, to make a judgment per se, but I like his movement. Um, I like his touch. He's got two feet, obviously, because that shot that he on the Shabak goal was a left-footed shot. And um, you're right, Chris, he definitely tired, you could tell, because I, I had actually heard on the commentator was talking about how uh, either Delaney or Dale yelling at him to get back or hold the ball up more. So um, he's obviously not in 100% shape, which is fine right now. But again, I really like what he's bringing to, our, to us, and he's got an enthusiasm. I love the pictures I saw. The way he celebrated the goals, the, you know, he's looking on his face after. So he's already fitting into the team, which is brilliant. So I really like what I've seen from him. And I'm looking forward to seeing more. Yeah, and obviously, if he, um, I don't know if he runs his own Twitter account, but if he does, then credit to him. If he doesn't, then credit <laughs> to the person who does. But, you know, very, very positive about the about the club and his teammates and the fans and all that sort of stuff already. Right. So seems to be really settling in well. Nick? I was I was very impressed what what I saw in the highlights was the interplay between three players who who haven't really played together before, mm. which which bodes well. It, it, they just seem to instinctively know know where to put the ball, and it, you know it's funny. It sounds like I've missed a really bloody good game. Yeah, you did. Really, yeah, you, honestly, you really did. Strategizing all all lunchtime about it, and mm. you know it's you know Grant. Almost doesn't go anymore because we always lose at home when he's there. But he's he's not seen us lose away. He said it's the best he's seen us for years and years. It was yeah, no, it's been terrific. It's been such a such a change. And like, like I say, unless you were there yesterday, you cannot appreciate just how well we played. But um, I'm really really hoping that carries on against Everton and everyone will get to see. Really, I've just noticed uh, Lucy's tweeted in with a new hashtag for you, Jill. It's hashtag Jill knows some things, not everything. <laughs> Is that better? I prefer it. Complete silence from Jill. Hashtag Jill knows. Oh, he's very yes, Mikey. Jill, you wanted to talk about Joe Ward. I do. That that's uh, is it, any other player in the top six did what he did for that third goal yesterday. The way that he cut in between two defenders and on the outside of his boot, flipped it over another straight into the path of Schmack to set him up for that third goal. They'd have been all honestly that. I thought he was he was quite magnificent yesterday. I mean, he, he was up against possibly, you know, one of the fastest players in the Premiership. Like whatever his name, L, um, Elio, or whatever his name is, yeah. He is full of tricks, and I thought Wald did all right. I mean, he literally there was a couple of times when he spun Wald round in circles. You know, he had his really, really had his. He had to up his game yesterday. It was a good battle between those two. Um, but to get forward, to set that up, and and the, and the little bit of skill to get between the two, chip it over the third with the outside of his boot into straight into Shamak's path was just sublime. And like I say, and had it been a Chelsea player, you'd still be watching it now. You know, it's um, and, and I can't believe that, that that people haven't made more of that. You know, yeah, that's I, our right back setting up I mean, goals like that. It was just fantastic. The, I think the, we're, let's keep him our little secret, shall we? Go on, Terence. Well, I know that um, in terms of people talking about it, the guy stood in front of me, jumped around, celebrated the third goal, walked off into the R-way, goes, that's the best goal I've ever seen. I don't need to watch anymore. I walked out. 
<laughs> brilliant. That's brilliant. <laughs> oh, dear. That's quality. There's, been, there's, there's a lot of stuff that made me laugh today with our fans. There was a guy outside singing, We Always Win 3 2, which I enjoyed. It's yes. like, yeah, it's just a, it's a really good spirit yesterday as well. And obviously, it helps when you're playing well, but it also helps when you just got a, a crowded away end. And I know a lot of people are upset not to be able to get tickets. You've seen it. We nearly missed out as well on here. Um, and it was just, yeah, it was. Go on, Nick, you better go. Yeah, you could, I was just going to say, contrast that with your last experience at the Dell. Was it Boxing Day? You went one year, Chris, and it was the worst um, show me the age there, and I jailed yeah. down to the Dell. Um, St. Yeah. Mary. <laughs> uh, no, you're um, right, yeah. Is, is it like the polar opposite? It was, yeah. Um, I can remember that day on the Boxing you know, the long Boxing Day drive, and I put it. I sort of looked around and we would, we just stood there in silence as we got played off the park and it was just, you know, it was just so, so depressing and, and yeah, like I say, to, to walk in there yesterday and we, you know, our, our away crowd is always good, generally speaking, it's always good and, but everyone just seemed happy, you know, we, we come off the bat, we, I think everyone's got a, a manager that they can unite behind, everyone can see that the team are giving everything that they've got and if anything are, are overperforming at times, and, they, and they just make, it just takes all the kind of negativity and pressure away, uh, apart from Overperforming again? No, no. Well yeah, we that, that's, that would always Wilf be... Can do. We know what Wilf can do, we know what Waldy can do, everyone knows now what Shamak can do, even me, <laughs> you know, um, I don't think we are overperforming. What we're doing is, we. You know, I, I heard a classic thing from from a fella last night, and he turned around and said, "On on any one day in their career, a a, a, a lower league player for just once can play like a Premiership player. Yeah. But when you have every single one of your players on that day playing like a Premiership team, you can beat that other Premiership team." And that is exactly what, what Bradford did to Chelsea yesterday. They all had the games of their lives at the same time. Otherwise, they, in three years, you know, they're, they're going to be, you know, they're going to be Champions League, play like that all the time. But they absolutely tore them apart. But, but, but my point is, we, we really do have players now that are starting to gel with each other. And you, do you remember when we always complained and said we had like four or five players off their game? Even yeah. when two players yeah. in our side are off their game, it affects our whole team. We haven't the last three or four games. We haven't had players off their game. They're on their game and they're getting better, and that's and that's the best part for it. We've got a caller. Uh, we do have a caller. Yep. Hello. Hi there. Hi. Um, yeah. Just this about like the, the, the you know suddenly players are playing above themselves and all that. I think that, you know individually they've all been capable of this for at least eighteen months. The ones we've had that long and the new guys coming in, they've all been capable of this. But there's been this um, cork in the bottle called Walnock, unfortunately. And under, under him, it, it, everybody got a bit frightened. Now, they're not frightened. And their talent's coming out. And it's wow. so obvious. It's, it's kind of like, you know, by the end of that game, the tears were running down my legs sort of thing. It was, it was, you know, <laughs> it was just like seeing them, seeing them be what they, they always yeah. could have been. I think, I think the, the word you used there, fear... I think that's that's a very valid point. You know, uh, we are playing with it without a degree of fear, I, I guess. But um, I, did, I mean, do you think? Let's take someone like Damien Delaney. Like he yeah. is, um, he is absolutely a, a Premier League centre back now. Suddenly, he's a mountain, isn't he? Yeah, he's, yeah. But if you you, know, you talk to him, reminds a, me of Peter Wall actually going back. Oh, I started watching Palace back at the end of the sixties, mm. and he reminds me so much of Peter Wall now. Now, the last few games. It's 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 uncanny in an odd way. Yeah, but, but uh, yeah, 
he's commanding, he knows what he's doing, and he's, he's communicating. Everything, he's doing everything right. You know what he's doing as well? Instead of hoofing the ball, when, when he doesn't need to hoof it. You know, he was oh, well, at the beginning it. of the season, he was playing that floaty ball at 45 yeah. degrees. He's not doing that no more. No, he's not doing no, because, that because he's, he's got players. He, pass. He's got players free to pass he's got too. Options, that's, he's got options. Yeah. That's all. What's, what's your name? Sorry, mate. Uh, well, name? I'm on the um, on your the holes there. Is red, blue, yellow. Okay, right. Yeah, my name's Steve. All right, Steve. But but what happens now? We've we've got options. Our players, where we were just having to hoof it out. Yeah. He's obviously our players are going out wide, and he doesn't have to hoof it. He just looks for one of. He just looks for his, for his same colour shirt. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the, 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 it's not like the same pass repeated, repeated. It's not the same pass to the same player repeated, repeated. There's variety. And it's, it's all the way back to front. I mean, you know, Zaha sprays it about. Punching sprays it about. The midfield... <laughs> well, you know, um, how can I put this? We're, we're now playing football that's not... We're not playing percentages at the back and saying, we're going to stop you scoring and trying to nick one. We're now saying, we can score one more than you can, mate. Exactly. And it's really, really nice to see. It's been a few years since we've had that, so there's still anywhere else. It is indeed, Steve. Uh, we've got Terence just wants to just jump in there, and then we'll... Uh, oh, on, in terms of the demo long balls, what's become... The shorter you play the ball, again, I'm making American football analogies, I do this all yeah. the time. The shorter you play it, it opens up the longer pass over the top as well because they have to come out more, come out more to try and close yeah. that shorter pass. So when Damo, Damo's smartly using that option more now to open yeah. up the longer ball over the top, and it was that was what was the case was for the second goal, I believe, with the Zaha. Well, I mean, and the, and the speed in with which the attacks develop, it's not. I mean, there's no none of this. Uh, let's play it back and try that again. Mm -hmm. They can see the options and they're going for them. It's great, okay. you know. It, it's you know, it is. Um, it's a, you know, uh, I, I hated the idea of Pardew coming down here, to be quite honest, because of his right. kind of, um, you know, the headbutt, the women chasing, all that kind of thing. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, allegedly, I, 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 allegedly, I, Steve. Yeah, allegedly, allegedly. But um, you know, I've never, I have never changed my mind so rapidly about somebody in this game. He has totally won me over, and as long as he, you know, behaves himself, I, I think it's the best thing since best thing since Christ's bread, you know. Brilliant. <laughs> Thank you so much for your call, mate. We're going to All right, mate. Home. Cheers, then. Bye. Cheers. Thank you. Bye. Good stuff from Steve. They're trying to get us into legal difficulties. But... <laughs> exactly. <laughs> we'll be forming another company um, on Monday. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Yeah. Sorry, right, we've got limited liability. I made sure of that, but um, it's limited to Mikey's uh, finances. Um, we did get a question in on the BBS from Croydon XR. He's been talking about Wilf. Uh, do we know if there's an agreed transfer fee and would that affect budget on other players? Uh, honestly, who knows? If you believe Football Manager, we've got an agreed fee for £7 million. But I don't I don't know if that's the case or not. I, I doubt it. Um, I say, but it'd be great if, it would be great if we can bring him <coughs> in on a permanent basis. Um, we also did get a um, question in earlier from... I think it was from Mark on Twitter who was asking the question. Um, sorry, Matt, Matt, uh, the farm banker on Twitter, saying, "What's your view on Punchin not wanting to shoot at Southampton?" Hmm. Um, he came on the pitch at a time where we were we were, were trying to protect the lead. I think. On a consolidation. Um, yeah, and I think I know you, Joe. You were sort of screaming for for us to keep going on the attack, you know, attack is the best form of defence, as you said earlier, that kind of a thing. But we were getting up the pitch and quite often he was punching with the ball. Uh, but, you know, he would turn inside and just 
play it short and just try and do a bit of keep ball. And, you know, there's a few people, and obviously Matt's one of those, who felt that he didn't want to score against Southampton. I don't think that's the case. But, uh, Patrick, you said you... No, it's Terence first, then you, Patrick. Yeah, I'd, um, Punchen was the only one with a sensible head on him. In the last five minutes, we kept we did keep bombing forward, and Punchen just had no interest. He wanted to go to the corner and keep the ball. And every time he passed it back to Kelly, Kelly looped it into the penalty area, the goalkeeper claimed it, and they came on the attack. I was yeah. in my rag. So I don't think Punter didn't want to shoot. He was just playing the sensible percentage games, keeping the football and keeping the pressure off our back line. Sounds like he was told to, because that isn't his normal yeah. game. Yeah, exactly. exactly. It was clearly directed, for sure, yeah. Which again, to... which, again, Pardew, again, just shows how right he's getting it. We were talking earlier about Sonogo was looking tired, just as we all noticed it. Hey, presto, the substituting signs up and Murray's coming on and Sonogo's going off. Right. Well, I was going to add, um, I don't know if you guys uh, heard or saw that Puncher did an interview. And I want to just share a few quotes because it just kind of shows you where he is right now and you know, how he's developing as a, you know, as a person. He said, I have come to this club at the right time in my life. It's very rare to be able to say that you are at home, playing for your home team in the Premier League. This is where my heart is. And it just shows you, again, I was mentioning before, it just shows you how the team's coming together and just how he feels about us. And it's just so, I mean, it, I, I, I just really like him as a player. But as a person, you can just tell he's developing, he's maturing as a leader. And it's really great to have him, you know, actually back home. It's really great. It really is. Yeah, I think he, get, he gets misunderstood a little bit as well. Plus, yeah. he doesn't, doesn't yeah, do he, himself favours. Exactly. So he has to he win the doesn't. likes of me over and, 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 and a lot of other people. But he yeah. is doing it by, his, by, by turning his attitude around and, and just turning just turning himself around and just making, him, making himself more affable and and, Definitely. And, and and then coming out and saying the right things like that. I mean, it's not just saying the right things. If he, if, you know, he genuinely, if he genuinely means what he says, right. he'll love him even more. Of course you do. You just say the right things. You say the right things and do the right things, and you know. And then obviously, you know, we nick that. You know, everyone nicks songs for every, everyone. But for the first time yesterday, I heard, you know, Jason Punch and he's one of our own. Yeah, tell yeah, him to be in the chat. That's, that's his song now. Yeah, sections, yeah, large sections of the crowd are, are singing that now. So, can yeah. I just get just one thing on, on Waldy? I know we've already covered him, but yeah. only because I've had loads more, and there's another one just come through from another message about Wald. But Doug Tibbetts turned around and said, and don't forget the tackle um, mm-hmm. that Ward made on Long. Yeah. That, that literally put him in hospital. Yeah. <laughs> with, without giving away a penalty. Cause, yeah, he broke know, his ribs, didn't he? Yeah. 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 I was a yeah. smart move. Smart move. I heard my own voice back there and it sounded Australian. It sounded like I went, yeah. What? Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, oh, dear. No, no one wants to see Shane Long get hurt. Did, oh, no. So devastated. You, now, now, listen, did you see the tweet that, that Waldy put out, though? And he, no. he said, great, like, great win, great fans, and I send my best wishes to, to, to him. It was classy. It really was. It really was. And I, I, I tweeted Waldy and said, that's very classy, Joel, but he wouldn't think twice about diving for a penalty against you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. But, you know, I, that's I, the kind of person he is. I, yeah. I, I, it, was, it was difficult, wasn't it? Because you want to show a bit of humility and respect. but Compassion. Compassion, yeah, and oh. and as he's walking off the pitch, I couldn't help joining him with that. He's going to dive in a minute, chance. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm, to be fair, I'm just upset that he only managed to do two of his ribs. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. Um, I won't tell you what I said outside the ground. <laughs> no, no. It was along those lines. <laughs> but, uh, but no, it's good. Someone sent me. No, it was it was a top performance yesterday. A lot of people oh, sort me. of uh, oh. getting in touch to talk about why that was. Um, oh, I, wanted someone... to bring, 
I'm going to put a retweet out there. Have you seen that? It's, I have, have just, just seen, seen it. The, the no. t- Carl Norton has just tweeted us a picture of Shane Long in his hospital bed. <laughs> <laughs> retweet. Get, get on Twitter and have a look we at it. Cool we have a cool group. Oh, you know, it's just, it's just banter, harmless banter. Um, yeah. <clears throat> the the Pardew effect, really. I, I know, um, oh, I've just blooming closed it. Someone got in touch and talked about, uh, I think, there you go, Colin Squires got in touch. said Pardew's got us playing with confidence and playing with a smile on our faces. Um, is it as simple as that, do you think? Is it just as simple as the him coming in and saying, you know, guys, you've got to enjoy this, let's let's attack a bit more? Because I don't. I think that's true. I think that's what's happened. But I think what you were hitting at it earlier, Terence, is so much more than that because you can see him adjusting tactics during a game. And we had a cracking view up at Southampton um, of the, the way the team was shifting around, just the angle. of You could see that the lineup switched between, you know, a 4-3-2-1 and then a into a 3-4-3 three, three at one point and then it just we're moving around and there's so much attention to detail and I don't think that people quite have realised the you know the amount of tactical knowledge the guy's got um, Nick you want to chat on that so we were like morphing around the pitch were we? we were yeah it was it was very fluid very adapting quite well excellent it's, it's, it just shows you that it's and there it is, that's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. You in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. I don't know. We talk about Warnock being old school, but does he? Party seems to have more tactical now than he's, he's left. What's it than, than Warnock appeared to have? Warnock, you know, I've, I've said before I like him a lot, but it's it's chalk and cheese with the same with the same players, bar one or two. It's 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 just ridiculous how a, a different person in charge can can get the same out of diff- or get so much that's different from the same people, isn't yeah. it? And it's just phenomenal. And it's, you know, hats off to Pardew. On the flip side, though, if you think about it, um, he's won two cup games at Palace, which has equaled the amount of cup games he won his entire time at Newcastle. Um, well, maybe that's so it's the, it's the team as well. It's got it's the team as well. It's the fact that I think he's he's a, possibly a better manager for Palace than... than you know, than he was a manager for Newcastle as well. And I don't mean any disrespect for that because he had a difficult setup at Newcastle to deal with. But I think I think this is, you know, the match made in heaven, if you like. I think his his style will work brilliantly for Palace, partially because I, he understands the club. But I just think it's a natural fit. Also, um, I, I do think that um, our players will be willing to listen to somebody they see is a, a seasoned premiership manager now. He's, he's been yeah. around for a few years. Whereas at Newcastle, when I, I could be completely wrong, and sorry to upset any Newcastle fans, but the players were probably bigger than the manager there. Do you know what I mean? I know I know he got them brought in, but the, 
he wouldn't have been held in such esteem by the players coming in as perhaps he is at Palace. So we listen to him more and actually do as we're bloody told rather than oh, being yeah. these, these renegade mavericks on, you know, whatever it is they get paid and they know that they can go to another, another club. And, you know, with I don't know. All right, thanks, Nick. Joe. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I've just had a senior moment. So, I you, you, oh, for God's sake! And let's get towards <laughs> the end of the show. It's quite late. You're quite tired. You were going to say something about Pardew, but you've probably started reading Twitter and forgotten now, haven't you? Oh, yeah, I've, I just get so many messages. It's ridiculous. I'm just trying <laughs> to mute my phone. I've just got seven messages. Um, no, I, I mean it's just the the, the, the difference. The, my in my personal opinion, the difference between managing Palace and managing Newcastle, and Nick hit on it. You know. What he's got, he's got mainly Brit-based uh, players that understands that he has been there, seen it and done it. And he can turn around and say that. And then, you know, the chances are that some of these players go, yeah, I remember that. But when he's trying to talk to uh, one of these French fellas that come from, you know, literally played all his career in France, he, he never would have heard of Pardew. Or very rarely. He won't know anything about his history. He won't know anything about his about his playing history you know he might not even speak you know there might even be a language barrier there's no language barrier at Palace you know it's just and, and, it, and it seems very simple I, I, I just realised I just remember what I was, what I was going to say and I, and I touched on this the other day as well and, and it, virtually exactly the same time of the season last year when uh, uh, you can't be named anymore took over and it, it's that we went on that run of games and, and wins and, and you know it's the same thing but this time we look more Organised, we're obviously stronger. We're more confident, and that, and again, we touched on that is confidence because our city last week. These players they can play like that. They just need the confidence to play like that. That one-two stuff, Chris, that I, that we saw. Yeah. Now we both immediately that happened. We both looked at each other and went, "What? <laughs> what? Like it was? It was? But I'm not sure. It was that good. It was that good." You know, and, and like I said to you earlier, you know, Danny said to us after, when they did that, the, the, the Southampton fans around him just went, what are they doing? You know, what are, what are they doing? What are Palace doing? They didn't expect us to be able to play like that, to be able to come down and turn them over like that. And and, and, and just one more thing, what, what I'm really pased about is the strength of the squads and the teams that have been playing in this year's Cup. It's mm, completely... Yeah not being devalued like it has been for the last 10 to 15 years. And I love the fact that we put basically our first team out there yesterday. Yeah. And so did and, they. And so did they, yeah. And and we beat them. <laughs> and it, it, exactly. It was a top performance. Just on the last bit on the, on the cup, then we'll um, we'll cover some listener contact and then we'll get straight into the interview with Jim. Um, we've got... I mean, who do we... Let's, let's go for it. Who do, I put, I'll, be, I'll be honest with you. I put a bet, 20 quid a bet on Palace after the game yesterday to win the FA Cup. Not because, okay, because a few teams got knocked out. But just because I, I, thought, I thought 20 to 1, that, that, you know, those are good odds. Those are good odds yeah. for the way this team's playing and, and how that competition can go. So, and I think, it's a, you know, even if it's not this season, I think over the next couple of years, there's a genuine chance for us to win that cup. And, and like you say, Joe, people are taking it seriously. Um, but I still think that you, you look at the teams that have won it in recent times. Um, I think we're in with a real shout. And, and okay, like West Ham got through, you'd expect Liverpool to get through, and Arsenal got through today. But on our day, we can beat those teams. Um, yeah, and I, I re- obviously really hope that comes off not not just for the financial re- reward, but because that's what that's what we'd support the club for, isn't it? I mean, really, you just, you have a moment like that, you know, going back to to nineteen ninety. 
Um, and th- that was a moment where we lost an FA Cup, but it was that run will still live, lives in the memories of everyone who, who witnessed it, and it'd just be great to have something like that for us all. Um, and when you see a performance we put in yesterday, there's no reason we can't have that. Um, who do... Oh, go on. Oh, I can't really read that out because it's in reference to a picture that not everyone would have seen, so I won't read out that contact. Who do we all want in the next round? Nick? Reading. Reading? Okay. Home or away? Um, don't care. Home. Don't care. All right. Terence? Um, this is so. This is going to sound so selfish. Um, Everton next weekend is my 200th consecutive Palace game, competitive Palace game that I've been to. Wow. The, po- the problem <laughs> is, if we if we get to the quarterfinal, I'm in Budapest that weekend because I had zero faith in us getting to the quarterfinal. <laughs> so. Oh, <laughs> Error. So, so, with that in mind, Arsenal away. No, no, I'm just kidding. Um, I mean, I'll take I'll take anyone at home. Just, yeah. To see Palace win the FA Cup, I'd, I'd probably cry for a week. It'd be amazing. <laughs> like it. Who do you reckon, Patrick? I'm going to be very selfish again. If it's not a low league team, it won't be shown over here. So I'm going to go Bradford away. Okay, Joe. Oh, Liverpool at home. We've got the hoodoo on them. Same place. Yeah, could, and yeah. the way they're playing at the moment, they can't even beat Bolton. You know, that's, that's ridiculous. Yeah, but that, you know, they're, they're so-called best players. Yeah. Their so-called best player is that, you know, is uh, Jordan Henderson on 80-odd thousand quid a week. And he should be arrested, their chairman, for bringing a game into distribute. <laughs> um, <laughs> it got me into a lot of trouble on Twitter that did last week saying that. Oh, but... Wow. <laughs> wow. Um, yeah, live, live for home for me. Be good. Yeah, I kind of agree with the the anyone at home kind of answer with that. But I, I just yeah, I I I'll go with Bradford, but Bradford at home, I'd say. Um, I've, I haven't actually been to Bradford away. It's, it would have been a ground ticked off my list, but I want us to get through. Um, I want us yeah, to do that. definitely at this point now. Yeah. All right, if, good if, stuff. If we do get through the next game, I, mm. I I I will say that I think we win it, and I don't care who we play in the final, and I really don't care who we play in the final. That's a big thing. It is, it is, because I'm hoping, that, I'm hoping that Arsenal get Man United and then Arsenal knock Man United out because right. then Wilf can, then if we get, if we can, you know, like I just don't want Wilf to be out of, to, to not be out of play. Yeah. Hashtag gel nose. <laughs> say really, this, Mikey. really, really don't like that. Anyway, uh, let's have some four world reviews quickly. Uh, Dan Barrett's gone with driven, inspired, confident together. Um, I can't read that one what out. Was, uh, what Paul? was the one you turned around and said in the ground? I can't remember. <clears throat> We're going to win it. We're going to uh, win it now. Loads um, of people doing that yesterday. Yeah, that's it. Um, Saints go marching out. I quite enjoy. That's really? from <laughs> and Andy Cameron. I'm <laughs> uh, just trying to pick a few of these. Thank you to this absolute ton of them. Thank you to everyone who, who did send them in and apologies if I don't read yours. Lots of them have got the F word in so I'm, we've had our quota and more of that today. Uh, Colin Garner feeling glad all over. Uh, David Coleman I don't think it's that one. Beat me to it. Uh, Ollie Allison four, Yeah he is. Yeah. That's, that's <laughs> my joke. Uh, Ollie Allison four out of four. Uh, Daniel Painter I said the same thing. Four out of four. Popular on that one. Uh, these are all off Facebook by the way. Um, uh, my Michael, yeah, that does say Michael. Michael Ballum, get in there, lads. On Twitter, we had uh, Furhad's gone with Day of the Underdog. Um, Jack Watson, Alan Pardew, football genius. 
Duncan Ray, Wembley, here we come. Sandy's gone for the cup is ours. Simon Goddard scoring goals for fun. Edward Porter, magic of the cup. Deliberately avoiding Patrick's ones. Um, <laughs> <Thanks>. <laughs> Sam Ward, Pardew is a god. Um, and let's go for one more. Oh, I like it. Famous CPFC, Shamak back, whackety whack. <laughs> the Eagles element just uh, tweeted said the FA Cup draw Crystal Palace will be number one in a draw tomorrow it takes place during the one show on BBC One 7.20pm um, ok brilliant thanks for that uh, thank you to everyone who's contacted today we're going straight into the Jim Piddock interview bear in mind um, as well if you've you, been slightly offended Rated by the 18. La- yeah, it's, but you've been offended <laughs> by the language already me and Jim go on a little swear during this one as well uh, but it is a good interview um so yeah, <laughs> no, honestly, you'll you'll thoroughly enjoy it. So here we go. It's um, it's a chat I had earlier in the week with uh, the actor, writer, and producer Jim Piddock. Yeah, I'm good now. Hopefully, we'll see. The phone will probably ring several times, but that, that's all part and parcel of the uh, the real time activity. <laughs> exactly. All right. Well, let's get straight into this. Uh, thank you, obviously, very much for joining us on the show, Jim Piddock. Um, really, really appreciate it. And um, I was doing the sort of standard internet research, you know, that kind of stuff, really, and uh, had a look at your, your bio on your website and the dreaded Wikipedia. And one of the things that sort of struck me straight away was that, well, it mentioned Worth Abbey, but it's Worth School, isn't it? Um, is that, you actually uh, were educated at Worth School in Crawley, yeah, where, I, where I'm from? Yeah. Really? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yes. I was there for about eight years. Oh, wow. So, I don't know too much about it. Obviously, it's a place I've sort of walked and driven past pretty much my whole life, you know. But um, it's, like, it's a boarding school, like a Benedictine-type, uh, uh, slightly Roman Catholic-type school, isn't it? That's right, yeah. It's, uh, I actually went down there last summer. I uh, haven't been back for years and years. It's, uh, it's beautiful, 500 acres. Uh, it was a very privileged upbringing. Um, I was very lucky. It's changed a lot now. It's it's a, it's not an all boys. It's a mixed school, and it's day as well as borders. So it's changed quite a bit. But it's it's a lovely place. Uh, it was a very um, it was a very good uh, place to to actually grow up. I, I I had a good time there. I went there too young. I was ten when I went there, so I was miserable for the first year. But once I got over that, um, I really liked it. And I mean, you're, apparently, well, you were born in in Kent, so and you know, obviously educated in in West Sussex. Which point during there did you develop your love of all things Palace? Well, uh, I, I've occasionally admitted this in the past. My love of football began in 1966. I was ten when England won the World Cup, and I just was sold on it then. And I supported for about six months Manchester United because they had. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know the, the the Bobby Charltons and the George Bests and the Dennis Laws, and um, after about six months, I kind of uh, I realised I wasn't a glory hunter, and I yeah. and I wanted a team that was closer to home. So I had a choice between Palace, Millwall, and Charlton, and um, Palace seemed to be first of all a better name, and they had better kit, and um, so somehow I ended up settling on Palace, and, and it, boy, does that change your life. It really does. It's very similar to the uh, story Steve Parrish tells, isn't it? About he, you know, he had that that, that same choice, and it's, it's funny, you know, that you know the successful people all seem to pick, always seem to pick Palace. Don't know what that is. <laughs> um, so, um, 
Yeah, yeah, that's it, the masochist, yeah. Um, so, going sort of looking at your career, obviously, you know, you're, you're a very successful actor and writer, screenwriter, producer. Um, you began acting in theatre in, in this country, but you, you soon decided on a move to the US. So, what, what was behind that move? It was ultimately a brilliant decision, but what was behind it? And what's the real difference between each country in terms of theatre? Well, it was quite arbitrary, really. I'd been working for a couple of years in theatre, and um, I was only 24 and I got offered a job by the drama school I'd been to. They opened up a, the drama studio in Ealing. It opened up a, uh, a school in, in Berkeley, California, and they asked me if I'd go out and direct a couple of things. And I, I thought, you know, why not? At that age, it was a good, good experience. And um, so I went out for three months, and uh, it's now 34 years later. <laughs> Oh well, <laughs> you mentioned um, in your in your science biography section that you, your first sort of show out there was a successful, the boy's own story. It's your one man show, but about a goalkeeper, which is incredibly brave for yeah. to do that. What was the premise about that, and did you expect it to be so well received? No, not at all. It was a, it, I, it was a show I'd seen in in London. It was done. It was written by Peter Flannery, who was kind of one of the RSC kind of resident writers. And it was a, a nice piece, uh, about an hour and a half long, a length of a football game. And I thought, you know, if, if I was going to have a, a showcase for myself, that would be a perfect one. So I got the rights to do it in the States. And while I was there for that three months, I knocked on so many doors trying to get, you know, an opening to do it. And um, got nowhere. And then I was about to leave to come back to England. And, and this theatre, this small 99-seat theatre, called me and said, we've uh, had our first show of the season drop out. Can you, can you get it on? So I literally had about three weeks to find a director, rehearse this show and get it on. And, and as fortune ha have it, um, it, it turned out to be very successful. And it kind of won all sorts of awards and ended up taking me to New York. So oh, yeah, and the the sort of list of um, you know the list of sort of people you work with in the theatre is incredibly impressive. Going through it on, on the website, um, I, I did one immediately sort of wonder that you know you're making an impression in the US, and a lot of particularly now you sort of look over at uh, sort of the British characters if you like. They tend to play evil people or incessantly polite, un umbrella carrying sort of people. Um, so you got in, getting into productions with like you know established characters and big names. Did that allow you to settle pretty quickly and not get typecast? Uh, well, I've always, I've always been typecast to a degree because people early on knew I got known for doing English or South African or Australian. Um, so I was never really accepted as, a, as an American actor, mm. and nor should I have been. You know, um, there's plenty of great American actors, but it's different now. There's a whole generation now of English actors who are coming over who are sort of assimilating themselves into being American actors. And, and I, I have a massive amount of admiration for that. Um, I, I don't know, I just didn't, that wasn't the path I took, and partly it was choice because I felt like what I did, which was mostly comedy, uh, it screwed me up. My timing, if I did an American accent, kind of went out the window and a lot of my personality disappeared. So it didn't really work for me. I've done a few dramas as an American actor, but um, it, for me it was a different path and I, and I felt like I had such a wide range as a character actor anyway, I didn't really need to spread it even thinner by, by doing American characters. And, and, you know, whether that was a right or wrong choice, I don't know. It was my choice and my, my path, though. But, and on that path, you, you got you did get into sort of TV and film pretty, you know, pretty quickly, really. Um, and on TV, you appeared in the the Tracy Ullman show, 
uh, you know, that was huge in the US, launched The Simpsons as, as you know, the yeah, most yeah. famous thing. Uh, and there was a whole host of comedic talent on that. How did you get involved in that? I, I, I think I must have auditioned and got cast. You know, I worked mostly for the first three or four years uh, in this country on Broadway. I, I actually had a great run of doing about four or five Broadway shows. And then I kind of wanted to do more film and TV, so I moved out to the West Coast cold. Um, boy, I was fearless in those days. I would just... Uh, <laughs> Um, and uh, and then I, I gradually started to pick up work in TV, and uh, I think that was I don't know that was probably one of the first things I did. You know, certainly one of the first six jobs I did in LA, I would say. Um, and and I worked with Tracy many times since, and um, and a number of other people involved. Mm. Uh, oh, I think actually, oh, I'll come back to that in a second. Actually, um, going going to your first feature film, and again, this is something you put on your site bio, right? And I had no idea. Because um, I spent, you know, you'll know the phrase I'm talking about. I spent a large proportion of my early, well, sort of from about the age of about twelve to the age of about sixteen, repeating this phrase uh, when you were you were a member of a South African consulate staff in Lethal Weapon Two. And you had to do, that, that one. That's the one. I just, I was stunned. I, I had no idea it was it was you. Who did it? Um, so I sort of followed followed your work before, but I had no idea that that was. First role. I mean, given given you'd done the sort of serious theatre and stuff like that, and you know you'd done a bit of, um, so you'd done the TV comedy, Chasey Oldman, that sort of stuff. Was it quite strange breaking into film with that sort of a role? Um, that was, yeah. I mean, obviously, every actor kind of dreams of being in films, and it took me probably I don't know eight, nine, ten years into my career till I did my first film, and I got cast for it because I was doing a, a pinter play in LA called. Um, the caretaker and and the casting director had seen that and really liked me, and they brought me in for that. And it was just a, a fairly small role, um, but I had no idea. You know, I just did the job and I had a good time. And I had absolutely no idea that a it would be the number one box office movie of that year, <laughs> and b, and b that that phrase, that one line uh, in that scene, became a catchphrase for the movie. And and uh, in fact. To this day, I have people shout at, uh, across the street at me. Uh, particularly, actually, a lot of uh, African American uh, black people, and uh, they they just they look at me and they right away they know and they go, "But you're black," which always is which is great. It's a great icebreaker. Yeah, absolutely, and it's you know obviously it's, it's on a serious topic as well because it reflected the you know at the time you know the apartheid and how how things were you know generally there. So it's quite quite fun looking back at that. It's a, an incredibly comedic moment, but you know on a very serious topic. Um, so moving on from that, you, you landed a recurring role in, in Mad About You, and you followed up. You have a role in Independence Day, and just oh, so much other work. It's it's an incredible sort of going through all the things that you've been in. But but was there a point during all of this where you thought you know I've made it? I've actually you know i've made it here I'm, I'm a success now uh i still haven't got to that point no i mean <laughs> success is always relative uh you know actors are, are subject to this almost worse than anybody else there's always somebody that's doing better than you in your perception or there's always things that you wish you could do uh i've been very lucky in the sense that i i've i've got a great kind of breadth of of work and and i've been like Zelig, I've popped up everywhere and in everything. Yeah. Um, so so I, I have no complaints whatsoever uh, about that. Um, you know, there are certain things I still really want to do and certain things I feel I haven't achieved, and, and that's healthy. You know, I'm, I'm probably a year and a half away from being, probably I am, a, less than a year and a half away from turning 60, and, and I'm still 
there's so many things I would love to do. Um, I, in terms of saying, no, I've, I've made it, or I, I've never felt that. I felt I've made it in the terms of I've made a living doing this and writing and producing, and, and I've, uh, <clears throat> you know, more than survived. And I, and I think I think there was, I can't remember who said it, but, it, but uh, some famous actor said, said, was asked what success was, and he said survival. And, and I think that's probably true. You know, if you can do this for your entire life, and I don't, I've never really earned a penny doing anything else. Um, if you can do that, I would say that is success, but I haven't achieved that yet. When I, you know, maybe on my deathbed, I'll say it was successful. <laughs> okay. Um, okay, I just, I actually also noticed you'd been doing a bit, quite, you'd started doing quite a lot of voice acting work, which, um, you know, it's, it's an interesting sort of aspect of, it's, well, it's more and more popular now, particularly in video games. Uh, that's something you enjoy, you know, as much as being in front of the camera, or is it, you know, slightly oh, less I enjoyable? Love, I love it. It's the most stress-free part of the acting, you know, you don't even have to get dressed. Um, <laughs> just show up with no clothes on. Um, no, it's great. Uh, it's t-shirt and shorts acting um, and, and it's a great bunch of people that, that there's a kind of group that do a lot of it and uh, it's, it is the most kind of relaxed uh, and family oriented group of people because I don't know there's a lot less competition and a lot less kind of, um, of that kind of you know why haven't I got your career kind of going on which is great oh excellent um you collaborated a, a number of times with Christopher Guest on, on films such as uh, Best in Show, A Mighty Wind, and uh, for your consideration as well, great film. Um, how did you get involved in the in that group of actors? You know, that would work within those films. Uh, well, Chris, I I had met a couple of times socially. I knew Eugene Levy and Catherine O'Hara quite well, and um, and it was Eugene's idea to bring me in to meet Chris with regard to Best in Show. And I sat there in the meeting, and both of them, both Christopher and Eugene, are socially, uh, what's the politically correct word? Socially retarded is the word <laughs> that I would use. Uh, and there's no other word for it. They, they, they literally do not know how to conduct a conversation. So I sat there in this office with these two guys just basically staring at me. And I started talking just for, to fill the silence. And after about three or four minutes, I realized I was just babbling. And, and I had nothing of interest to say. And so I got up and I said, well, here's a DVD of some of my stuff. And, you know, if it kind of tickles your fancy, give me a call. And I left and, and I was driving home and the phone rang and, and Chris, in his inimitable deadpan way, said, you know, hello, this is Christopher Guest. Will you be in my movie? <laughs> um, and so that's how it started. And I actually almost didn't do it because I was writing and producing a show for the BBC at the time. So I had to fly to Vancouver for three days, shoot it, and go back. Uh, but it was a great experience, and it actually sort of changed things a lot for me because um, it was like a calling card to remind people I was still alive. Um, <laughs> okay. Um, though the, the process sort of used in, in well, it's talked about as being used in his films, uh, you know, the one that's sort of almost scene setting, but uh, improvisation within dialogue, it's gained a lot of prominence in recent times. So thinking about things like Curb Your Enthusiasm um, is quite a, a strong example of that. But uh, yeah. what's, the, what's the key to that process? And as an actor, is it more rewarding or, or tougher? <laughs> Yeah, it's, it's like walking a tightrope wire, so, so, so it's really, uh, it's very invigorating and, and everybody who does it comes up, you know, that's a big high. On the other hand, it's, it's far more terrifying than, than working with a script. 
because you know that if you don't come up with anything, you're not in the film. Um, Chris has a very specific way of working. It's very different. I remember being on a flight uh, with um, uh, Marianne, I've forgotten her last name now, that, 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 that was in uh, Secrets and Lies, um, uh, who's worked with Mike Lee. Uh, and I've talked yeah, to actually yeah. a few, few actors who've worked with Mike Lee. And, and it's very different process. It's almost the exact opposite. With Chris, there is no rehearsal. You, he just hires who he thinks can do it. And there's an outline and you know where you're going in a scene from A to B and maybe a suggestion of a joke or a line. But the whole thing is, is literally just roll the cameras and go. So you start doing the close-ups because the first or second take is usually the best stuff. So we're, we work the opposite way. We start with close-ups and then come do the wide shot at the end. It's, it's, it's quite exciting because... You really, you really uh, can choose everything about your character, what he says, what he, how he dresses, whether he has a silly haircut, which most people do in Chris's films. Um, you know, it, all that stuff is normally, you know, you don't have the choice over. So it's very exciting. Yeah, definitely, and it de you know from from an outside looking in, it definitely you get so many so well, you get much more stronger characters in those films. I find you know they're much they're sort of less you know. So you say regularly defined, the sort of yeah, people you can tell people are having fun with the you know, with the character they're inhabiting. It's really it's, you yeah. know, like you say, Mike Mike Lee's the same, you're absolutely right, but you know, as you say, in, in a different way of producing it. Yeah, yeah there, there there's just the opposite. They rehearse for months and months and months and then he goes away and writes a script based on what they've yeah. re rehearsed and improvised. So it's the exact opposite. You know, what Chris and I do when we're writing together, uh, with Family Tree, we we, we write very detailed character outlines. So there's a page for each character. And it's very, very kind of, that's really where they, they have their material from us. Uh, you know, down to what school they went to, the name of the school, the dog that they had as a child. Everything is really there. So then they can add to that. And, uh, and, and they've got that sort of um, foundation to work with. And it gives them the freedom then to kind of improvise the dialogue. Yeah, you mentioned Family Tree. That's actually in my next question. It's something that I'm, I'm actually in the process of watching at the moment. Um, and I was gutted, gutted to read that it had been cancelled. And it just, oh, I could go on a rant for ages about how typical that is of, you know, genuinely charming, funny comedies. It, you know, I mean, when Arrested Development got cancelled, that was, that was it for me in actually trusting people to make these decisions. But anyway, I thought it was an absolutely wonderful series. And um, where did the idea for, for that show come from? Well, thank you. Uh, well, first of all, just to preface that before I answer that question, um, it, it is being compared a lot with Arrested Development because we had a very similar critical response and a real fanatic audience. But just so you know, people know that it was actually not. It was not picked up mainly for business reasons. There was a very complicated business deal between various parties that made that show, and that really was what killed it because actually HBO and BBC were very keen to do more. So sadly, it was um, it was a victim of, of, of business circumstances, and okay. Okay. yeah, hopefully, maybe we can resurrect it or do a, a movie based on it. But anyway, the idea came out of a lunch that Chris and I had, and he said he'd been looking into his own family tree because he he, he had not been working for about six years. He sort of disappeared into a shell, and um, he, he said, "What do you think about that area as a you know movie?" and, and uh, I sort of thought about it and sort of called him back the next day and said, I, I think it's a great idea, but I think it's a series. I don't, I don't, 
I don't think there's a beginning and a middle and an end to searching for a family tree. I think it's by its nature, you know, branches out and goes on little tangents. And, and so that's the beauty of it. You, you wouldn't be limited to having a structure of a movie. And so we started talking some more and, and then um, kind of got into it very slowly. Um, I really, really enjoyed the inclusion of uh, Nina Conti in it, a wonderful ventriloquism with, with you know, Monk, the, the monkey puppet. Something I've seen in a, a stand-up stand act for, you know, for a while. But uh, when was the sort of decision made to include that within the show? Well, we're both big fans of Nina. Chris has known her since she was a child because he's friends with Tom Conti. Um, she was actually in, for your consideration, Chris's last film, uh, she played the weather girl and did the weather with the monkey on her arm. Um, and, and we, as soon as her name came up as a possibility to play the sister, we both knew that it was right because it gave us two extra characters. <laughs> uh, and monkey became, you know, monkey was almost the breakout character in that series. Uh, and it was a fantastic device for us because in any scene we had someone that could uh, suddenly come out with the honest uh, temperature, emotional temperature of what was going on. So so much of Family Tree is, is kind of what's being not said by people. So when you have a character that can puncture that and then just sort of call a spade a spade in, a, in, a, in an extremely vulgar manner, it's, it's very amusing. Yeah, no, I really enjoyed it. It's sort of a little reminiscent of the... Um, I'm, sure, I'm sure you've seen Peep Show, where they obviously you hear what the characters' thoughts are. Um, as well, you know, from the first-person perspective, you actually hear the things that go on in their heads as well. It's sort of reminiscent of that, um, uh, what was coming out of the mouth of the monkey. I thought it was really good. Excellent. Um, I haven't actually seen that on Beep Show. I've seen Peep Show, but I haven't seen that. Oh, OK, yeah. It's, it's, yeah. it's a little device they use occasionally. I wouldn't say it's like, consistent, but just little things that can't go off in their minds. But, uh, OK, um, bit of a cliched question. We, we've sort of covered it a little bit, but um, people do like focusing on the improvisational aspects, you know. So... Within um, Family Tree, how much of that dialogue was, was written? I mean, let's say you explained the process before, but um, there perhaps people like, um, oh, I can't remember the guy's name, the Irish guy, Roy from IT Crowd. Chris. Uh, Chris. Yes, yeah, Chris. Um, yeah, you know, he, he's, I mean, he's not someone I would have you know, necessarily thought was a, was a good improviser, but he was excellent in, in Family Tree. I mean, how much of that was, was written? It's terrific, yeah. Um, well, as I said, you know, each episode had eight sort of solid pages of the breakdown of what was going on, with some jokes suggested, but most of the dialogue in, in Chris's work is, is improvised. So, you know, the actors have to take a lot of credit for that as well, and, and, the, and in the editing process, making that work, because you have also a lot of stuff that doesn't work. So um, it's, it's a very delicate kind of process and, and Chris is very good at orchestrating that um, but but uh, but Tom Bennett and uh, and Chris O'Dowd and Nina um, all were, were great you know they, they were um, fantastic at that stuff and then obviously there were some of us regulars like Mike McKean myself and Fred Willard and all the others so so we we knew what we what we were in for but yeah. um but there were some wonderful discoveries, and even people in small parts. There were some great people we found who who came in and just hit, you know, a home run. They're one one at time at bat. They had maybe one small scene, and it was a straight home run, and, and that's really exciting to see. Yeah, I can't wait to sort of watch the rest of it. But it's tinged with sadness that uh, I know it's limited to the eight for now. Hopefully, um, reappearance on Netflix or something like that. That'd be good. Um, yeah, absolutely. 
Um, so also you, you've been involved heavily in both screenwriting and, and production. Are they as rewarding as acting, would you say? Yeah, they're a lot harder. Uh, I, I, acting is a vacation now. To, it's a chance for me to get away from the computer. Uh, uh, but it's a natural thing for me. I get really bored really quickly, and I don't sort of... If I was working around the... But no actor works 12 months of the year, so there's always time. And if I have two or three weeks off, I have to write something. So, yeah, I've now got more stuff sort of stacked up writing-wise than I've ever had in my life. So I think... Either the next year or two is going to be insanely busy, or uh, or I'm going to be um, out of the business. Oh, right. uh, so, that's yeah. <laughs> my next question about what's that, what's actually coming up for you next. Um, well, I'm looking right now at my wall, my development wall, and I have six TV shows that I have flashing green lights, possible, uh, you know, to go anytime. Um, and a movie that Chris and I hope to make this year, uh, and another movie, independent movie I have that I'm developing with my manager. So, yeah, there's a lot of stuff. Uh, but like I said, if this time next year none of this stuff is happening, uh, maybe I'm selling uh, real estate. <laughs> well, hopefully not. Uh, yeah, so I'm obviously big, big fan. Uh, let's, let's delve into Palace now. Um, yeah, the real, fir- real stuff. What was your first Palace game? Uh, Charlton away in the FA Cup, 1968, nil-nil. Um, <laughs> third round of the FA Cup, only game I ever went to with my father, uh, who hated crowds. It was a big sacrifice for him to take me. Uh, and uh, my second game was home to Middlesbrough, uh, nil-nil also. Um, and then my third game, I believe we won 3-1 against Portsmouth. I got that and that, that season, yeah, we went up. In fact, I went to the game, the 3-2 game when we beat uh, Fulham to get promotion. Fantastic day. I mean, amazing game. We were 2-0 down at half-time and then came back to win 3-2. And then got promoted for the first time ever to the old first division. And uh, I took some Polaroids that day. Uh, that was, yeah, 1969. And bizarrely, I saw those two Polaroids on Twitter today. <laughs> Somebody... I, I, I think they must have taken them off the uh, the BBS because I put them on there years ago, okay. and uh, it was at stadium. I can't even remember the the, the uh, stadium terrace terrace something or other. It's a great website, and they've got all these pictures of stadiums, and and they they, they had Selhurst Park in '69, and I saw these two photos. And I went, hang on a minute, <laughs> I took those. Well, so well, I've definitely ever. Have a look on the BBS for those as well. Um, fantastic. Um, so uh, you've, you've given you sort of the area of your first game. Who was your sort of your hero growing up? Your favourite player? Well, I love John Jackson. You know, um, Steve Kemba, John Jackson were the the two big stars, really. I suppose the standouts. Um, but you know, it's like all Palace fans. You you, you like everybody because we always have a, a soft spot for the underdog player too. You know, so I. I've always loved the Rudy Hedmans and the and the, the the Wayne Andrews and those players that come in. As long as they give 100%, you're always rooting for them. Phil Barber, there's been so many of those guys who, uh, even Alan Pardew was really, yeah. you know, one of those guys that you thought, well, he's not a particularly good footballer, but he gives gives it all. And, and you know what? He's become a good footballer. Um, for the older fans, someone like Paul Hinchwood, who was an absolutely rubbish forward. And... Um, and Doris, as he was called, then moved to right-back because they didn't know what to do with him, and he became one of the best right-backs in England. Yeah. So it's a lovely nickname as well, isn't it? Um, yeah. 
when you uh, when you moved to, to the US, how how could you leave Palace behind? That was really tough. I'll be honest with you. You know, I mean, family and Palace were the, uh, are now interchangeable, but but um, that was hard. But but it, you know, I was twenty four. I had things. I wanted to see the world a bit. I wanted to to branch out. I had a career. I wanted to get going. So you kind of make certain sacrifices and. Um, you know, I talked to Eddie Izzard about this on many occasions, and he said he sort of had to back off supporting Palace for a while because he was getting so emotionally distressed by it and his career wasn't going well, and he said it was too overwhelming. So he had to sort of step away from Palace for a while emotionally. Um, I didn't do that. I still had the shortwave radio and followed it, but um, it was hard. It was hard, and, 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 I, and I did. I always listened to games, and I always knew the result the minute it was in. And now it's fantastic because the Premier League and NBC, the coverage, I, I get to see every Palace game live uh, wherever I am in the States. I was going to say, it's funny enough, this was talk about what it's like supporting from afar. And you were, you actually mentioned you tuned in on the radio before and just, just you know, doing the best you can to find out the results. And obviously you've noticed, you know, from the BBS, your pictures are flying the Palace flag in your, in your garden and things like that as well. Love it. But yeah. what that, that general experience i mean like you said i suppose you effectively answered it but i, I know from talking to uh, some of the guys that, that well patrick who's on our show who lives in new york and a lot of um a lot of the guys on twitter say that they feel closer to the club than they ever have before because of you know social media and because of the attention the premier league gets you'll take it you're feeling that as well yeah i thought i i think i have never uh, i felt close you know to the club 10 years ago um i think the mullery years were the only years when I was sort of, I was so busy with theatre in New York and that I, I kind of wasn't quite on top of it, but I still, again, I knew every result the second the game was over. But, um, yeah, you, you feel close. Absence does make the heart grow fonder in some, some respects, so it's kind of, you know, you keep the romance of it alive because you don't have to go and stand in the fucking rain and, oh, can I say that? <laughs> yeah, of course, said. yeah. Uh, you can't stand in the fucking rain and, and, and you don't have to get, you know, go on those awful away trips and come back from Grimsby, you know, depressed as shit on the train um, after a game. So, you know, the romance is still there. And then you go back and I, I see a game, two or three, four games in a row or whatever when I'm back and it's like, oh, yeah, this is great. Then you get to escape to the sun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm just slightly jealous now. <laughs> in, um... There's always an escape clause. Yeah, I like it. Um, oh. Yeah, in uh, what's it? In yeah, in '99, obviously we had the you, you began the supporters trust with with a, you know a couple of others, and obviously we've been in administration since. But that was a particularly uh, harrowing time. Um, yeah. Just tell us a little bit about how and why that came about, and you know what well, do you think. That's, yeah, go on. Yeah, that was around the time I was doing Best in Show, actually. I was doing the show in England, Too Much Sun, for the BBC. And I, I, it's the longest time I'd spent in England since I left, so I was there for about two months. And I, on the, by the BBS, I'd got to know a couple of people, uh, one of whom was Richard House, who, who was a, a head of the legal department at Tokyo Mitsubishi. And he and I started talking and saying, you know, what the hell can we do? Because this is Jewish seeing the club disappear. Uh, and then I got a call from a guy called John Finn saying uh, Paul Newman at The Independent was, was also talking about trying to do something. So we all met up. And the, the long and the short of it is we formed the trust. And it was became a, a model for all supporters' trusts in, in England. It, it was built on the 
the structure of Working Men's Club uh, cooperative. And, and it was a, a very clever structure to avoid tax issues and it could, you could get donations and you could have membership. It was, it was a very smart thing that Richard actually figured out, the lawyer. And, and, and it was, it, we, you know, a very positive force in that period and, and Steve Koppel was wonderfully supportive and uh, far more so than the administrator and, um, and, and, and who was, you know, I don't know what his story was but it was very shady. And, um, and anyway, we, we, we did end up contributing somewhat to to uh, the takeover that Simon Jordan in fact we facilitated the introduction and of course Simon Jordan then immediately you know um, stabbed us in the back and and uh, reneged on all his promises to include us in in stuff um, mm. but you know whatever it didn't the, the the big issue was solved the club was saved so no one was really too bothered about what what we had in no, but obviously it was a shame. I, I, I sort of heard about it after the event and from speaking to people in the trust about, you know. But basically, you know, that was that was one of the faults that Simon Jordan had, one of the, the many faults looking back, um, was to effectively to shut the fans out and think he could do it all on his own. So it's just a shame. Yeah. But what, what do you see is the future for the, for the trust as going forward? You, you got an opinion on that? I'm not sure. I mean, I, I haven't been involved... Uh, for, for many years, M my feeling was that once the club was saved, uh, then it should go into uh, sleep mode and, and should be there. Uh, it should certainly not be disbanded, but should be waiting in the wings just in case it's needed again. And of course, you know, there was another 10 years later that it was needed again. Um, uh, although in that instance, we, we were very fortunate to have four wealthy fans step forward and, and, and do the job that the trust would have loved to have done 10 years before. Yeah. So, and I think that's, that's its, its function right now is to just be there and, and to, to, to have a voice for the, for the supporters and, and have a structure that if needed can, can come to the rescue and, and hopefully it'll never happen again and it won't be needed. It's, it's really like a, let's just say it's an insurance policy. It's how I see it now. Yeah. Okay. That's, yeah. Um, talk, you, you mentioned the, the, the last admin, obviously when CBFC 2010 came in and, and took over, but you, you were sort of involved in one of the, the most memorable stories from that. Obviously, we had that administration, we had the whole protest at Lloyd's, but there was the whole P. Diddy rumours, and you obviously are in Game to the Greek with him, which I love that film, I really do. The, uh, the cab driver or, or chauffeur, I don't know, I can't remember if it was a cab or a limo. But, um, oh, but, I can uh, doing it. <laughs> did you um were you as the rumors suggested responsible for for letting him know about palace no 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 i, I can diffuse that uh i can't diffuse the Poogate story because i don't know anything about that <laughs> but uh but uh yeah no the, the i i don't even think i met p diddy on that i think i probably saw him at the opening and met, i did actually meet him at the opening the premiere but no there was never any conversations i don't know if that was ever any Anything serious in that? Okay. Well, so, so, so I, I'm sorry to diffuse that. It's a bit. Right. It's, it's as disappointing as the Poogate resolution, really. It it's, really is, isn't it? I mean, what was that about? The coach driver was ill. That's that's no fun, is it? The conspiracies are far more interesting. <laughs> they really are. The, being able to sing, you know, Gus Poyer, that it was, you know, he shits on the floor. That that's fun. That's what it's all about. Oh. But I, I think we could also start another rumor about that. I think we can. Keep that one going. All right, we'll we'll work on that. <laughs> um, 
CPFC 2010, you've um, obviously you've I think you've been pictured a few times in the director's box, that kind of stuff. Um, do, you, do you know the, the Steves and Martin and, and Jeremy? I do. The, the, uh, Steve Bride I know pretty well, um, and that really came about because uh, we exchanged some emails, or, or I think via it was originally by BBS, um, and and he expressed an immense gratitude to what I had done and what the trust had done, and said, you know, if I was over that they would love to have me to come lunch in the in the boardroom and I thought it was incredibly generous and I took them up on it when I was there and um and I, I was over doing family tree uh about a year after that and um then I was sort of a regular guest there and we went on I think my first game we'd lost the first four games of the season and the first game I was there was Sheffield Wednesday we won 2-1 yeah. And then they said, well, you have to come to the next game um, because you're obviously a good luck charm. <laughs> and we went on an, a 15-game unbeaten run in the time that I was in England. <laughs> and it got, it got to the point where all the owners were literally saying, you are going to be there, right? And, yeah, okay. and they were taking me to away games and stuff. And then I, the day I left was we were away to Leeds. And, and they said, you know, if we lose the Leeds game, it's proof positive that it was you this whole run and of course we lost to Leeds and I got off the plane saw the result and I had messages from both the Steve saying get back on that fucking plane <laughs> <laughs> love it and oh, that was an incredible incredible season as well wasn't it um that, was you know, amazing. Oh, I, I don't think I've ever I've ever experienced a season like it myself. But um, well, so yeah, so ended in promotion, and then obviously we had we had last season where survival, you know, was by the end it was it was a sort of laughable. Really, we finished finished eleventh in the league. What did you make of last season? Well, I, I thought eleventh flattered us a little. I think we were really a fifteenth place team um, in the end, uh, but you know what a what a turnaround, and it just proved that that with the right kind of guy in uh, control of that, that that those players had the ability and the, the will and the spirit to do it and as they did the season before um, you know Holloway came in and sort of mixed things up a bit and we stumbled but those players it's a very very tight group and they still are uh, and I knew that this season was going to be a little tough because Pulis leaving two days before and that most clubs would not recover from that no. Uh, and I think to give Neil Warnock his credit, he he did what he was supposed to do and steady the ship. And um, I think that it, it had to, you know, happen the way it did because it just wasn't working. As long the, the longer it went on, it re, we it became obvious we needed something else. And I and I think the the great thing about Steve Parrish and these guys is that they have a knack of landing on their feet whatever happens and yeah. and they have been through horrendous stuff i mean when dougie left that was the worst possible timing and they landed on their feet and and we got promotion and then last season they changed made the change at the right time and we landed on our feet with pulis and him leaving it could have been the end of all that good luck and it wasn't and I, and I, and listen we still have a long way to go but they, they, you know, Simon Jordan had a had a habit of landing on his head, um, and usually with his foot stuck in his mouth. Uh, um, and these guys are the exact opposite. They, 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 whatever you, however you agree with what they do and how they do it, you know, clearly transfers are long drawn out affairs. That's how Steve conducts them, and he gets every bang for his buck because of that. 
Now that can drive some people crazy. In a certain point, you want to go just pull the fucking trigger because that's a player we got to get. But he's very, very canny. He's really smart. And he's also a friend maker, unlike Simon Jordan, who just liked to make enemies. And that all is very positive. And, and, uh, and he seems to, you know, time and time again, uh, Steve Parrish falls on his feet. And that isn't just blind luck. Yeah, exactly. You, you um, obviously, you're, you're an avid. You're say you're an avid user of the BBS, and a lot, lot of this um, sort of makes me sort of wonder what your views are on on the, the level of criticism and the level of hysteria that sometimes is generated, uh, well, particularly I, at the board. I'm a I'm a serial lurker on the BBS. I used to be in the early days. I was a big contributor, and, I, and the but but most of those people don't really do anything anymore. I just flit in and out there. I'm curious to see what the temperature is on things. Um, I, I think you, there's always going to be those people. There always have been and there always will be. And, and the, the bigger fan base you have, the bigger number of idiots there are. Um, there, there are malcontents everywhere. You know, it, if everybody thought positively and nothing else, the world would be a whole, whole different place. Uh, but, but I think, you know, the Kennedys sort of said it best. I think it was Robert Kennedy. If, if you have four out of five people in your corner, you've got 100%, essentially. You're never going to get more than that. If you've got four out of five people agreeing with you, it, it's a miracle. And so you can say the sun is, uh, you know, yellow or it gives light, and people say, no, it doesn't. But there's just people that have an agenda. There are people that are negative. And, and in this instance, it's insane. You know, it's like saying Mother Teresa was a serial killer. It's just ridiculous. <laughs> you know, yeah, it really is. No, agree. You can't argue with that. It's like fanatics. You can't argue with a religious fanatic because uh, they know that they're right and, and they don't want to change. So, yeah, it doesn't surprise me. But it's a shame because they stopped, you know, posting there because of it, because it became futile. Yeah. Uh, and whatever they did got questioned, and, and, and who needs that? I mean, who needs that shit? No, exactly. You're right. Exactly the word I would use was it's a real shame. It really is. But, you know, we're still, we're still in an incredibly fortunate position, I believe, and, and I'm, sure, I'm sure, well, you know, you, you've stressed a similar opinion. Uh, you mentioned, I was going to talk to you about the, the Pudis leaving, war not coming in thing. Funnily enough, I've, I've got a very similar opinion that I think, in the circumstances at the time Warnock was appointed, it, you know, I think Steve Parrish has gone on record as saying that there simply wasn't anyone he felt yeah. that he could give the job long term to. I, you know, and like you say, by the end it was a case of well, you know, he's got to go. But we brought in Alan Pardew now, and it's not just about his history at the club. He's a massively underrated manager, I reckon. Uh, what's your views on on Pardew? Yeah, I'm delighted to have him. I mean, yeah, I, I think that where we are, it was as good as an appointment as we could have ever hoped for. Um, it's a, it, as everyone said from day one, it feels like a good fit. Now, you know, we're in the honeymoon period. We've had three wins and, and a massive feel-good factor. Yeah, let's see what the temperature is when we've had four losses, you know, in a row or whatever. Uh, clearly, we're going to be slightly different under him. I would expect that we will win more of the games that we were drawing under Warnock. And I would expect that we will lose a few games, 3-0, three, 4-1, three that we wouldn't have lost under Warnock or under um, Keith Millen. But I think uh, in the end, that will get us the points that we need. Uh, I think there'll be a lot less tedious draws. Uh, I think there'll be a lot less kind of squeaking through. Um, and, and we will see, it will be better to watch 
and hopefully in the long term uh, it will take the club several steps forward. Um, it, it certainly united the fans, particularly at the games. Obviously, there's still a, the occasional dissenter on the message boards, like you say, there always will be. But at the games, it, there was something missing for a, for a little while this season, I felt. And that's definitely come back now. And that's, you know, that's a huge thing for me. You talk about the, the future, you mentioned the words long term there. Um, I'm going to end really on that question. What is, for you, I mean, like any other Palace fan, obviously every single game, you effectively you want to win. That's, that's your focus. But long term, what... What do you see as the ceiling for Palace? Is there a ceiling? Um, well, you look at Southampton, uh, Swansea, and you go, what's the ceiling there? You know, Southampton could end up in Europe. Um, a few years ago, what, what would you have said their ceiling was? Um, <clears throat> I think that we have the ability and the right to be as good as them and to be in that, that echelon. Obviously, without the money and the size of stadium, to break that top four is incredibly difficult but you know that there's always room for someone to come in i mean everton have operated very well in similar financial situation southampton have done brilliantly swansea have done really well west bromwich albion have the capability of, of doing that although you know um we'll see I, I i think that for us to now establish ourselves as a premier league team uh, you know, get the stadium up to scratch, get a training ground that's that's top notch, scouting system that's top notch. Uh, maybe you know have a great cup run here or there, get into the Europa League, maybe squeak into Champions League in five years' time. I don't know. I mean, the ceiling is is whatever you you want it to be, uh, and whatever circumstances will dictate. I don't want to ever see us become a corporate, um, you know. Uh, entity or, or an oligarch's plaything. That's to me not palace. I, I would, that would to me be in danger of tearing the heart out. But but I would be more than happy to see us emulate the clubs I just mentioned. You know, Southampton, Swansea, Everton. Great, couldn't agree more. Um, Jim, thank you so much for your time today. Thoroughly enjoyed it. Um, and yeah, hopefully, well, we'll look to catch up with you again soon. Really, really enjoyed it. Thank you. Be lovely. Thanks. Good to talk to you. Yeah. 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 I'm not yeah. sure why I can just hear clips of Joe saying yeah. That's you. Was it? <laughs> I don't think it's me. Uh, might be me going yeah. Oh, it was Australian Chris. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Thanks, yeah. thanks, Mikey. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't know, don't know why that happened. Anyway, uh, we are still here. We um, we were gonna we thought that was the end, but I had apparently forgotten to. Let you hear the wonderful creation that is the Nick Gessett game. Um, we're pretty much, I think we're probably going to go straight into this, but uh, we've, we've lost Nick because Nick got bored and went, but we've still got Patrick, Terence and Joe. Hello, gentlemen. Hello. Thanks for the shout-out, Chris. Appreciate yeah, it. No worries. It's a good chat with Jim. He's a cracking yeah. bloke. Incredibly knowledgeable. And um, like I say, it was quite, you know, it's about 45 minutes long. If we'd asked all the questions I wanted to ask and gone into the detail I wanted to, that would have been about three hours. But <laughs> so I was still slightly self indulgent, but I hope you enjoyed it. Um, so yeah, just all it really leaves me just to say thank you to Patrick, Terence, and to Jill, and to Nick as well. Um, unless you've got any last things you want to say before we go? Yeah, can I just, can I just say, he turned around and said, whether it was tongue in cheek or not, that, that, you know, he'd like to see Palace in the Champions League in five years. And, and that's exactly what Steve Parrish said. You know, the other night on five, uh, the, the other morning, about, it was about half six on five live, one of the, one of the guys said to him, you know, he said, where'd you see Palace in, in five years? And he said, Champions League. And they started laughing. He went, what? 
<laughs> Do you know what I mean? So, and, and you know, you, you have no reason to disbelieve him. You have absolutely no reason to disbelieve him. And, and everything he said is just, you know, it's, it's coming to fruition. So, you know, I, I'm, I'll perish out. If we ain't in the Champions League in five years, perish <laughs> out. No, I'm only joking because I know I think he's listening tonight. <laughs> Doing a cracking job there, fella. <laughs> um, all right, so yeah, we're gonna uh, we're gonna end the show with um, Nick Gessett. I'm gonna apologise now to Trish for two things: one for not playing this earlier because we meant to. Uh, Trish is the contestant, and the other one is basically Mikey asked me what music we should have in the background to it, and I said, <laughs> Just be I, I said, I said something mysterious, right? And then he said something cheesy, and then I, I'd only just woken up, so I, I may have said "Mysterious Girl" by Peter Andre. So that's what that is. Um, sorry, Trish. Okay, we're here with Trish Mitchell. Trish is going to play a game of Nick Guess It. Now, what you're going to hear, Trish, is four new four voices. Two of those have been identified. One is Steve Parrish, and one is Guillaume Balagay. Um, we're going to hear the four voices now. The best outstanding bookstores. I love it. And one more time. The best outstanding bookstores. I love it. It is really difficult. The um, outstanding is Steve Parrish. The bookstores is Gillem Balagay. So just two more. They're either people we've interviewed on Homestay Radio or Palace-related personalities from other clips. Okay, I'm going to go for Balassie and Joe Ledley. Balassie and Joe Ledley. Let me just check with the producer. He has confirmed two wrong answers there. Unlucky, Trish. No problem. It is really difficult. Thank you so much for playing. I really appreciate it. Thank you very much. Cheers. Bye. Bye now. Bye. Okay, thank you to Trish for playing. If you want to get involved with Nick Gessett, you can be on next week. If you go to holradio.net forward slash Nick, you can register your interest and we'll be in touch with you. It's a really, really tricky one. And let's one more time hear those four voices. The best outstanding bookstores. I love it. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's the 90th minute. All your mates around. You've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. No, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.